0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit, powered by Lyft. Jeffrey P, what up?
1: Not much, man. You know, there comes a time in in a man's life when he can look back and and pretty much want to die of happiness. um And today is that day. I mean, how do you feel?
0: I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I'm, le- oh, I'm like you're I'm more excited. Le- I'm legit, dude. I'm le- I'm I'm really excited. This is so. This is exciting. Yeah.
1: So having Goody on the podcast or your child's birth, what is more like? What are you looking to look back on as the best moment of your
0: life? First kid or second kid? Goody.
1: Yeah, that's hands down for
0: sure. Yeah,
1: not even a question.
0: Yeah, we have we have Goody Thomas on the show. (laughs) I'm so excited.
2: What's up, guys? Pollard (laughs) Petroselli.
0: Doesn't Petroselli sound like a retarded pasta? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> oh
1: my god that's like something and, uh, carbone would sell totally it's on the menu that's actually uh i was named after a shitty pasta that was served once out at a uh, restaurant in the mid-80s <laughs> during the uh, <laughs> the big crack pandemic in the queens and uh, harlem
0: there we go <laughs> there we go
1: <laughs> so you you caught me that's what that's that's my life
0: gotcha <laughs> Goody, oh we're super it's excited like to have
1: you, you on. Saving that one for a while.
0: You know, honestly, I just thought of it.
1: Ah, oh, thank you. It just
0: came to me. It just came. Who to needs me. enemies when we have friends had, like had, you, right? And I just had to say it. <laughs> oh
1: my god, I can't believe we're talking about retarded pasta when we have Goody on. It's terrible.
0: <laughs> we should we should talk about Goody Thomas things and less about pasta.
1: Well, it's actually a good segue, and. Um, I know Goody's, Goody, you got to touch on this, but I've been dieting. It's been three days now. Actually, today's the fourth day. I started, I didn't really start Monday because I had a whole shit ton of Pirates booty on Monday. I technically started eating good and working out on Tuesday. And I don't know if my body's in remission from not having McDonald's or Burger King, but I just am so miserable and edgy from eating well. Like, is that normal?
2: You know what? The, the the problem is is the all that good processed pasta that's going in your body <laughs> all the time. You need some that's you need it. like stuff that comes out of the ground, you know, live food. All the all the fake stuff just makes you feel like shit.
0: Jeff does so not what do know you, foods that are green.
1: I what is that? I don't even know. What do you what do you eat usually, Giddy?
2: You know it's funny. So uh I I'm pretty disciplined on my eating habits and my routine and workout habits and stuff. So, you know, we try to eat real clean. My wife's a great cook, you know, so it's, uh, you know, meats, vegetables, you know, whether it's chicken, fish, uh, sometimes we'll put a little pasta in there, you know, lots of vegetables. Um, I like some rice as carbohydrates, put a ton of water down, uh, especially at work, lots and lots of water, uh, stay really hydrated. I think that's extremely important, but, uh, yeah. Try to take a lot of good natural proteins in, you know, uh, meat and vegetables, man, and stay away from the processed foods, all that over seasoning stuff that people get in restaurants. Uh, yeah. for, for it's me personally, though. it is delicious, but let me tell you, it just makes you swell up like a tick and you feel terrible. Yep.
1: That must be and my so problem. True. <laughs> Cause I got this issue. I got this issue with the hooker harnesses when I ratchet, like when I'm not in fighting shape I ratchet down and it's just like the fat shifts elsewhere and it's like, it's kind of like the blob. It just molds to <laughs> different orifices. <laughs> yes. It comes over the top. It's terrible. It's ter- It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm trying to eat good. I am. And I stopped drinking. I used to drink uh diet soda stopped with that. Yeah. Oh, that's and I'm not eating uh, a lot of bread. I did have rice though. Did have some rice. You know, I
2: think I think too. You know, everybody, everybody's uh, makeup, like DNA makeup, and everybody's so different. There's things are so personalized for each person. You know, what works for me might not work for you, and you know, vice versa. So I think you got to find ultimately what goes good with your body. But absolutely, you know, not only the eating part, but man, I think you know the exercise. I know that's big, big in in my life, and so uh, that in itself, you know even if you're putting some crap in your body, um, it might not react the best, but, uh, you know, the exercise stuff, man, it'll, it'll really pull you through. Yeah. It's funny. You, you mentioned the exercise a stuff. Fit guy
0: in that gar- regard Sorry, Jeff. No, no, no. I was just saying, uh, <laughs> good. You seem like a pretty fit guy in that regard. Like how much of your, um, I mean, how much is your, of
2: your focus is on nutrition? You know, I've I've never honestly, you know, to be totally honest with you guys, I've never had to like specifically, you know, diet. Um, I can eat what I want, but I'm smart how I eat. I mean, I'll give you an example. When I pack for work, I pack in this tiny little bag food for three and a half, four days. And I use this company called Trifecta uh, and they build these organic, uh, very solid meals that are anywhere from 350 to 500 calories. I eat those for dinner and then you snack during the day on, you know, like nuts and fruit, drink a lot of water. Um, And then, you know, hey, on the weekends, if I want to go out and have a burger, some friends or a pizza, uh, that's fine. But do I do I have to eat, you know, like a little tiny rabbit all the time? No. Um, The older I'm getting, I'm seeing that if you don't stick with it, it could go the other way. But um, I think nutrition for all of us um, is extremely important. Because uh, we're a machine, you know, what what you put in is uh, you know, this what you're going to get out, and if you're putting in crap, you're going to feel like crap, and uh, so you know, you try to eat real clean, and um, I think you got to find something that works for the individual. You know, I'm, I didn't study nutrition, but this is just what's worked for me. So,
0: are you, yeah. for, um, jog my memory, are you a, a corporate pilot or are you an airline pilot?
2: I'm an airline guy, yep.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's it, uh, and I can uh, you and I can relate to that uh, quite a bit. It's it's so hard to eat on the road. It's it's really
2: really hard to eat even halfway decent on the road. It's very hard. So that's why I I go. You know what? If I'm going to be gone, then you know instead of having an excuse, you go. All right. How can I make this work? And so you figure out a program. You pack your stuff. You super disciplined. You eat only X Y Z. And then uh, you know you feel good, and um, you come home. And then hey, if, if you want to splurge some, you know, hey, I got young kids, so yeah, I'm not gonna go. Hey, Dad's not gonna have the pepperoni pizza or the pasta with you know Jeff tonight, you know. So it gives you that <laughs> that chance to go out and do that. So uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's a challenge, but uh, that job to me is terrible on the body. So uh, you know, everything you can do while you're there to make it work for you on the health side. You know, you just. That's what you do. Yeah.
1: So what's your what's your kryptonite? Like for me, I mean, it's a lot of things I could say, but I can take down like a Costco-sized bag of of chips or ice cream. You put that. I just have I I have no control over myself sometimes. But like, what what would be like? What's the dish that like if you were if you murdered like ten people and you were on
2: death row and they give (laughs) you the last meal,
1: (laughs) what would be your final meal?
2: You know, honestly, I I love a good hamburger i mean i just i do i love a good hamburger as far as like snacking my downfall is like charcuterie i mean i love meats and cheeses you know and like snacking like that and then hey man you know a few beers at night some wine and all that that's that's fun and socializing and being with your friends but yeah that's a that can be a downfall you know you just can't can't do much of that stuff you know
1: so, if fellow unlimited competitors see you at a contest and just put a charcuterie board right on your <laughs> wing, they would be able yeah. to like take you down. In
2: like oh, two yeah! It's it's over. You know, meat and cheese, just, baby. I'm all over it.
1: Just just leave a, a huge super side like right on the seat of your extra right before you fly. You're like, where's Goody? Oh, he's ladies yeah. taking down some <laughs> sausage. <laughs>
3: He's got uh, me, trip, well, I'm even... going to
2: segue into a story later about the, uh, in in Germany, the 2000 Advanced World Championship, something that kind of similar happened to me, but that's another story. Oh, fuck it. Tell it. What happened?
1: Yeah. Wait, uh, this is in uh,
2: 2000 in Germany? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm jumping way ahead of myself on how I even started everything, but uh, I'll, I'll throw this funny story out because I got some funny ones I wanted to you know share with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. um, 19 1999, flying my Pitts S2B. Uh, it was my first Nationals. <clears throat> and uh, I've only been in the sport, what, like a year and a half. And, you know, w- very, very wise, young, dumb, you know, kid, you know, starts out flying advance and <clears throat> make the team. Well, I go to Germany and with all these, you know, accomplished pilots and we're in Grossenheim, Germany, flying the advanced world championships and things are just clicking right along. We had some bad weather, but we managed to sort of, you know, navigate through that. We're flying. Well, each flight I'm doing better and better. And now all of a sudden they're going, Hey, this young kid, we got to start taking him serious over here. You know, I was like, what, like 24 years old or something. And
1: holy shit.
2: <laughs> so we're at a, we're at this Jeez. banquet and these older guys come up to me and they start giving me this, this stuff in a jug. And I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have something. I was trying to be friendly and nice. And so I'm drinking this stuff in the jug. Well, oh my god! Next thing you know, all my team pilots start going, "Hey, look at Goody! We got to go help this guy out." You know, they're these Russians are taking advantage of him. They're feeding this stuff. Well, next thing you know, <laughs> this, I've got this sounds two like guys. a
1: scene from Taken.
2: Yeah, I Windows got yeah. The <laughs> 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 two. There, two of my teammates <laughs> are under each each arm, carrying me out of there. Like Goody, we got to get you out of here. These guys are honestly trying to mess you up because you're doing so well. And I ended up finishing. <laughs> I ended up finishing seventh in the world in my first advanced world, uh, championships flying in a year and a half of the sport. And I was like, man, these guys are trying to take me out. And uh, they were like, they, <laughs> they were trying to take you out. And uh, thank God what we got God. you out of there.
1: What airplane were you flying there? Because you didn't.
2: I, did you ship a PITSO? Yeah. Or no? Yeah. I shipped an S2B. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: How'd you do that? I mean, obviously, we know the, the, <laughs> the general idea. But was it – did yeah. you share it with people or –
2: no, just... I, flew it. I, I was my, my airplane. And, um, matter of fact, I don't know if you remember a guy named uh, Jim Ryer He's up in your neck of the woods. Um, I, oh, had, yeah. I flew, the, I flew the airplane out to, to where he was. Uh, we mm-hmm. disassembled his airplane and my airplane, put them in two containers and off to uh, Germany. They went. And matter of fact, they got lost. They showed up <laughs> about a week and a half late. Everybody's flying. I'm sitting here going, Oh my God! I'm at a world championship. I don't even have an airplane. I'm watching all my teammates practice. I'm like, this is terrible. And so, anyway, long story short, the airplane showed up. Everybody helped get it together. Uh, you know, started practicing, and then the rest is history. Ah, oh,
0: that's awesome. Back when you can that's awesome. back when you can actually be competitive in an S2B.
2: Yeah, absolutely, it man. Worlds. And yeah, I remember Coco uh, Bessier, who I became years later such unbelievable friends with and he became a mentor and a coach uh, came up to me while I was there and I uh, you know he was you know I like your flying. this is I you know, like to impress him <laughs> with this little umbrella and I'm like, oh you know, I didn't know who the guy was. I'm like, who's this French guy? You know? And uh, but, uh, little did I know the relationship would evolve many, many years later. So
1: hey Frenchie, go get me a hamburger <laughs> right <laughs> <That's> now.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. Why does Coco always carry around an umbrella? Obviously maybe some, but like the guy's never not with an umbrella.
2: You know, it's honestly, you're going to see me with an umbrella at nationals. It keeps the sun <laughs> off of you. It does. I use it, especially at training camps. You stand in the sun all day long, getting beat down and then you got to go fly, you know? And so, but, yeah. you know, the sun, sunblock works, but honestly, the, uh, the, uh, umbrella, you know, just keeps the shade and keeps you cool.
0: And, you know, I we talked you. about that once before, um, about, uh, I forgot who was on, uh, but we had, we had touched on just the, uh, uh, the heat element of, yes. of especially com- like contest flying where you're just, you're sitting around, there's so much sitting and so much outside in the sun activities, whether it's judging or, uh, you know, uh, whatever, whatever you're doing, um, helping somebody else out. It seems like you just get drained by the sun all day and then you have to go
2: not be dehydrated and fly your best. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I'll touch on that real quick. You know, that uh, unfortunately with our sport, it's all volunteers and thank God for volunteers. And then the, the pilots themselves help make the contest happen. However, you're exactly right. You know, what other sport, if you can tell me, stop me, but do the athletes go sit in the sun all day long and get dehydrated, and go play. No, no sport. And this, this is a sport and it's very hard on you. I mean, all the, all the flying from the lower categories, the higher categories, Hey, a new guy flying sportsman, that's tough for him. And, and so, you know, sitting in the sun all day long, getting dehydrated, not, not maybe a new, new, uh, you know, enough nutrition in you and feeling good. And then you're going putting the G's on your body. It's a recipe for disaster. And so, um, it's yeah. definitely something that I think everybody should be very, uh, cognizant about. I know they try to set that up when we fly. So we're, you know, if you, if you're flying next, they allow you to uh, not volunteer. And that's a wonderful thing. It's a good concept, but you guys are exactly right. I mean, it's uh you gotta be very, very careful because it can lead to bad things.
0: Yeah. yeah and and a lot of times they're trying like, to you... go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. <laughs>
1: that's like twice. We're fucked up today. <laughs> we're so excited. <laughs> now I was saying a lot of times I contest, they um, it's like you're on the line judging or you're on a boundary. And they're like, all right, hurry back. You got a next categories up. And it's like, rush, rush, rush. And I'm like, and I've said it before, even at contest. I'm like, I don't like to a friend, like, I don't care what they say. They can yell, scream and, and hit me, but I'm taking my time. And I'm going to, I'm not going to rush and get into my airplane and go fly a sequence. Like it's, no. it's, it's ridiculous. So
0: that's a weird yeah, dynamic. You know, it's like that, that doesn't, that doesn't work anywhere else. I mean, there, it doesn't work like that any, anywhere else that I can think of. I mean, any, like you look at the Olympics right now that are going on, you know, like in in gymnastics like you, you don't see the person that's gonna go for the gold uh the next round holding up a pole for somebody the round fire <laughs> you know it's, it's just, no. and then it's like up and go 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 and you know it's like you know i you know when we fly no matter what kind of flying we're doing you know there's always some element of fatigue or malnourishment yes. it's so hard to, to be we're never 100 and then you add contest the, the the contest element into it where like you're nervous. So maybe you didn't sleep the night before um, or you weren't nervous at all. And you partied too hard the night before. Yeah. And you know, there's some level of uh, dehydration and, and, and uh, uh, and then you just, yeah, you're out in the sun all day, I, all these contests, but every contest on the West coast is in the dead middle of summer. It's, they find the hottest days. I, I swear the IAC must be like, these local chapters must look and be like, what was the, the 10 year trend, like the hottest days of the year. And then they just book, Borrego and Apple Valley and Delano and <laughs> Kalinga on those days. It's all 110, 112 degree days every single year.
1: Yeah,
2: oh, That's crazy. It's wild. Have
1: you ever flown any yeah. contests at West Goody?
2: You know, no, I haven't. And it's, and it honestly, the, the honest to God reason it's just, you know, logistically, you know, yeah. my time, just like you guys are dads and, you know, husbands, I'm the same and, and so many people in the sport, but you know, and, and financially, you know, you look at all that going, gosh, to as much as I love to go out West uh, and fly a contest, um, I just don't want to, uh, you know, get in an airplane and, you know, try to, you know, traverse the entire country to, to get a contest out there and, uh, you know, with weather and stuff and, and time, it's just, it's too much. And I'm, I'm not a big proponent of flying other people's airplanes. I never have been. So.
1: Yeah. I agree with that too. And it's funny too. Cause like, I'm sure you've run into it a lot more than Mark and I, but you know, a lot of times there's a contest or, or a camp or something, and you really want to go and this and that, but you know, it's, you got family work and this and that, and you know, the family and the kids, they, you know, it's a priority. So people are like, Oh, why aren't you coming? I'm like, Oh, my kids. And they're like, Oh, come on. And I'm like, dude, like (laughs) you have no idea. And there's always people that don't have kids. And I'm like, Oh, if you, it's not that easy. Like you can't just you up just, and go. Like, no, whenever
2: you want, you can't, you can't. There's so many commitments. You know, there's there's very few people that 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 are in this sport that do it for a living. I mean, there's just a there's literally less than I can probably name just a couple that are full time air show people that also compete. So this is their life, and that's all you they count do. on one hand and have fingers left over. Yes. And easily. And, and, you know, and, and that's the thing, you know, we all have all these other commitments and, uh, you know, and they're good commitments they We all have awesome jobs and we have wonderful family and we love to be with them. And so, you know, that comes first. And so, you know, this is second. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, you got to look at that kind of stuff and the, the ones that do this full time, that's awesome. And they should be good because it's their job and that's what they practice all the time. So, you know, there's a there's two sides of that. You know, that's a whole another story. But uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, West Coast West Coast would be fun. I'd love to if I could, you know, have the time to do more West Coast contests, meet more people. That would be amazing.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you. You know, it's it's nice. You know, if you're out of camp and I think you know with advance, maybe just flying other people's planes and I think you can get away with it. But once you get up into unlimited, where you're really beaten on the shit, and when you're training to that level where you you really want to be flying your own plane anyway you know i don't see really i don't see the point in using somebody else's plane if you're trying cuz otherwise why are you competing to to be mid pack or whatever like you should you should be in your own airplane and training at that level right
2: you're you're exactly right and you know it's twofold for me there, there's really two two things you know <clears throat> one thing you know Mike Goulian, along with so many other people I'll touch on today is such an amazing person and such a role model for me and he's taught me so many things I'm very grateful for but one thing he always said to me iss so like he, he says you know stay in your own lane man he goes that's what I've done and and it's the truth you know you you stay in yeah. your lane and this is what you do and you don't veer from it. it 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 takes you a long way and so you know between you know you don't go run a race in somebody else's shoes um and then also too you know as far as the airplane stuff I've seen stuff that I don't ever want to see again. And it's people in other people's airplanes. And it's just something that I go, you know what? There's already enough going on. I'm going to do everything I can on every flight to make all this work out good. And getting in somebody else's airplane, there's only a couple people that I'll fly their airplanes. One of them is Jeff Bourbon. Um, I just, I know the airplane. I know how Jeff takes care of stuff. And so, and I have, I've flown his airplane. He's helped me out uh, in Italy, uh, 2011 World Championships. and. So, but other than that, man, I just, uh, I don't, I don't hop in airplanes. The only other one, uh, Hubie Tolson, uh, he and I go way back with the Sukhois, which we'll we'll touch on later. Oh, Uh, another, what's the deal with that
1: Sukhoi? What's the deal with that? We, I didn't even think to talk about that, but what's the deal with the, it was like a checker tail and a fire nose. It was a 26 that, that you got a We mark. You mind talking about Sukhois for a little
0: bit? Are you kidding me? Can't wait. (laughs)
1: He just unbuttoned his pants a little bit.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I heard the Now heard it gets, finally, this podcast gets good. <laughs>
2: I heard the zeal, yeah.
1: Tell us about this Sukhoi 26, because I've been, give us the inside story on this thing, because it looks like it was, and it, and it like, disappeared, I'm sure it's somewhere, and I know, you probably know where it is, but it just disappeared, and it was, like, one of the best Sukhois ever built, or rebuilt.
2: <laughs> yeah, so a couple things, I'll try to, I'll just back up real quick, just to give you a, a lead-in, so, so I have a little bit of a... Uh, Uh, y'all have some information on uh, why I know some stuff about Sukhoi. So when I went from the S2B um, after the world championships in Grossenheim, Germany in 2000, I moved into a Sukhoi 31 and uh, Hubie Tolson, uh, another big influence, um, another person who is another reason why I'm here because of so many people. And he is one of them. uh, He helped me with the Sukhoi and gave me direction on when I was trying to decide on what airplane to go to, you know, do I go to a cap? Do I go to an edge a Sukhoi? And, you know, that's a whole nother story, but trying to stay on track here, I went to the Sukhoi 31, which unbelievable airplane, um, that helped develop the relationship with Hubie, who was a big Sukhoi guy, very knowledgeable that led into Sergey Boryak, Um, and we began training together. Well, fast forward, I'll skip a lot of stuff to, uh, uh, 2009 England Silverstone World Championships. We had that Super 26, which uh, Hubie was responsible for. And I don't, I, I wish I would have all the notes in front of me, but basically uh, Hubie had this airplane um, reconfigured and rebuilt, had a big motor on it, uh, a lot of horsepower. Was well, the
0: big prop? Um, but,
2: you know, honestly, Mark, I don't remember the, the, if we had a if he had a little bit bigger prop than the normal, I don't recall, uh, but it had a airplane. lot more horsepower and it was very light. Uh, the Sukhoi 26, okay. much lighter airplane than the 31, which I flew. Um, and uh, so we flew. Hubie was kind enough to allow me to use that airplane um, in England uh, in Silverstone and a remarkable airplane. And uh, plenty of horsepower. Um, You know, the 26 was a a great flying airplane. I had the background of 31, so it's a pretty easy transition. Uh, We had to do some modifications uh, basically to to get better feel with the ailerons and to make them lighter. And uh, so we did that, and I flew that airplane um, at the 2009 uh, World Championships in Silverstone, England.
1: That's awesome.
2: And if it was you, Hubie, and Zach Heffley, right? Uh, so, Zach, um, also, Zach flew that airplane in Spain. Um, I did not oh, go to that okay. world championship. And um, that's where Zach won the four-minute um, world championship. And another unbelievable person. Uh, so many wonderful people. I've, I wish he, he would come back. He was amazing. Back. Yes, he is. He is. He's amazing. What a very talented. Here's another, like y'all talked about earlier, younger people. A very young, talented, talented pilot, and he—who knows? Like so many of them, if he would have stuck with it, where he could have gone with it, because Zach was that good. I mean, it's—he—he he was. You flew against Zach; you knew it was going to be tough. Yeah. Did he? Did Did Zach do um,
0: any shows in the three hundred L? Not to my knowledge. I'm trying to think if that's who I was thinking of. Um... He's from Texas, I
1: think, Mark. I don't think he's yeah. West Coast guy.
2: Yeah, he's Texas. What's he doing guy. now? Uh, Zach flies uh, corporate. Um, we've been playing phone tag for probably a good, well over a year, <laughs> and uh, uh, he's uh, married, four kids, uh, just you know, doing great. But um, I don't know who corporate wise he's he's with right now. Okay. Oh my god,
1: if he came back, I mean, it seems oh. like there's a there's a lot of good stuff going on with the unlimited category. Um, it's showing a little bit more signs of life because I think the past however many years it's, it's not been on life support. It's just, you know, nobody, everybody kind of stuck with advance for a while. Once they uh, got rid of the 200 horsepower rule and yada, yada, yada. Um, but now it's a lot of the advanced guys are moving up and it'll be fun. I mean, I, it, it's nice to see a big field, um, and unlimited.
2: Um, Oh so, yeah. And you, yeah. you, you want a big field. I mean, I, I know me personally, you know, to show up at a contest and fly against one or two or three or four people is like, wow, why am I here? And and, and let me tell you something. So when I got in the sport in 1997, my first contest, 1998, first nationals, 99 in advance, started flying unlimited 2001. When I showed up in my Sukhoi 31, the field was shit, huge, that's quick. <laughs> huge. <laughs> that is so hey, quick. It was such a dumb move, but what do you tell a 24, 25 year old kid? That was me. <laughs> it's like, hey, I, I'm nobody. I'm not All telling that kid I go to an advanced world championship. I'm like, I oh, said too bad. I did pretty good. I'm going to move up. And let me tell you, it was many years of just getting my butt kicked, and the learning curve was huge. And I was flying against the Kirby Chamblisses, As, the David assassins. Martins. The Robert Armstrongs, the Zach Heffleys—I mean, the the list goes on and on and on—and there were so many people. Yeah,
0: there yeah, was th- ten people is, uh,
2: at least that could fly really well. Oh, Debbie Ren Harvey—I mean, I—I I mean, I just could go on and on. I mean, all these guys and and women, just amazing. And you're in this, what you're saying, like a big field, <laughs> and it was awesome. I mean, a huge field of pilots, and uh, and you're just going, oh my god! But you're also you're learning from them, you're watching how you should look. And uh, yeah, it's unlimited. It's hard. And, and I've watched it evolve. I mean, what, I've been in the sport for 24 years and the sport has changed so much. It's gone so many directions, especially in unlimited. And yeah, where it is now is so hard. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. It's very hard. I mean, you have to be flying this stuff all the time. And it's yeah, well, and like we're cycle talking too. About that. Well, it must be a vicious cycle
0: too, because the less participation you have in in unlimited, the less mentorship you or the less you know the less. um, Gosh, I don't know what the right word is, but you know, exposure to unlimited for other people there is, and so it just becomes this really, really shrunken down element within the sport to where, and then it's getting harder. the The bar is being raised, and so you really are losing out on the ability to. see it done in mass around, you know, just to your point, you know, there might be two, three, four unlimited competitors at a regional contest. Maybe, you know, whereas it'd be, yeah, if that, it'd be great if there was 10 at every regional contest. I mean, that's a, a big ask and obviously unlimited is very, um, it should be very selective and, and, and people should be smart and not to move up early. But, um, do you think, do you think now, um, I mean, it just, it seems, like there's so much less buzz over unlimited than there used to be. No, I, yeah, I, would there's I nobody in it.
2: Yeah, there's no, there's nobody. And, in I guess it.
0: that's. Yeah,
2: and,
0: that's, and that's and kind it's, of my point. Is it the less people you have in it, the less people, the the less um, propensity there is to make more a new, uh, more new unlimited pilots. You know, there's it's, it's like.
2: Yeah, there's so there's so there's many right. things on what you're saying, Mark. You're exactly right, and there, you know from from my own little world my own experience you know it, unlimited is is it financially tremendous when when i had different opportunities growing up in the sport i've had and and i'm i'm not embarrassed to say or i'm 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 actually proud because my family and then other individuals allowed me to be able to carry out my dreams and goals with the sport on the financial side and continue that because it has gotten so expensive. It's the equipment oh, crazy. is crazy. Yeah. Then you throw that in there. Then you look at what you have to fly. And look, I've always said this trying to be jokingly, you know, most people don't show up at these contests to dive at the ground at 300 miles an hour to go get a cheeseburger. They're coming there to fly, to win, to, to, to compete you know, you start competing as a kid. Hey, let me race you from, you know, the sidewalk (laughs) to the other sidewalk. You know, that's what you do. So that's why they call it aerobatic competition. So, you know, you're showing up at these things and these half million dollar airplanes, you better be practicing or it's going to be bad. And then you can take it to another level of safety. You got to be proficient in this stuff. You got to be healthy, proficient, flying proficient. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So, yeah and it's it's a big step up from advanced and and you're right. There's only a handful of people in the United States that are flying unlimited at a very very high level and and that's yeah. a very sm- small group as it is and so you know I, I don't know where it'll go. I mean I, honestly I don't. I'm glad we have some individuals that are able to put the time in and uh, I I wish them well and they can continue on but it's it's hard to sustain it especially when backing up like we said earlier you start putting life obligations in there and you know and it's supposed to be a hobby i hate using that word because it's actually a job and it is and everybody's everybody's an athlete but it's a hobby and yeah. You yeah put that kind of time and commitment into a hobby and you know it's uh it's tough i think i think it's tough for a lot of people and that's why the young kids i don't think can sustain it i think there's a tremendous amount of kids like the sammy masons or the zach heffleys you know you guys you know that could come in here if you had the time and the money and the backing oh my gosh it, it'd be who knows where it would go but we're not yeah. France, we don't have three 330 scs go hey here fly this one up that engine blew up here's another one you know it's just not like that and it would be awesome to to have some of these youngsters through the pipeline that you could support financially, you know, to, to get them to the top, because I think they're here in the U S absolutely. They're here. Um, I, think so, yeah, too. I mean, they are, it's just you know, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting way off point.
3: <laughs>
2: no, no, it's it, crazy it because sense.
1: yeah. And even with the sequences, I think that, you know, earlier, earlier on, they were designing sequences that were just enough that the plane could handle it. Or in some cases, the plane really couldn't even handle it. And that mentality hasn't changed. And and now it's to the point where the, there's no doubt that an SC can handle whatever you throw at it, you know, relative yeah. to what we're talking about. But it's really the focus has to be on what the pilot can can handle at this point, because, you know, you're hearing all these yeah. horror stories where it's like, this guy's got the wobblies now. This guy hurt his neck. This guy's wrist is out. Like, and it's you know, I get it. You know, somebody who's top tier right now could easily say, well, you know, it's a sport, it's intense and you gotta, you know, train and be ready for it. But at a certain point, like when are these sequences going to get to the, to the point where you don't need to, you, cause let's face it, it is a hobby, but you, you treat it like a job. So yes. you, you gotta, you gotta have some type of middle ground where you can allow people to train in this category, to keep the quantity of competitors, you know, especially at nationals high. Um, and I'm not saying make it easier cause that's the wrong word, but, but make it realistic. Uh, maybe, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's just getting out of hand almost.
2: Yeah. You know and what? I, I, my, my take on that guys is I think they ought to make it. And this is just totally my opinion that they ought to make the flying on all the categories. You know, I keep hearing this is supposed to be fun You know, it's get together camaraderie. They should make it flyable for everybody. And and it should be stuff where it's not so difficult at at any category that um, it either discourages people from from doing it um, or, um, you know, uh, that you get to a point that. Oh, gosh, I mean, it's like I don't know, it's it. It's an interesting yeah, it's just, dis- it's a discussion. Lot. It's a very it's a lot. And if you got the top yeah. tiers that really want to take it to another level, I think on their own time, away from IEC contests, you go train. It's like anything in life. If you want to take something to another level, you go every waking moment and you put it towards that, just like you know the Rob Hollins. Those guys, that's what they do. They eat it, sleep it, drink it. But they carry out and execute all the time. And that's what makes those guys so good because this is all consuming for them. And it's it's awesome to see. And you're you're happy for these people to see them take it to another level. But you know, your average pilot or your your people like here in the US, I think they ought to be able to fly this sport, enjoy it, make it challenging, but not so over the top. That it discourages people. You want to go to that side of the to the to the ring, then you work on that outside of it. Once you get to the team level, or if you have aspirations in that, you know. So uh, anyway, yeah. should
0: there be something like like a freestyle category where like you know you, you can you have unlimited freestyle is not necessarily a tier above unlimited, and obviously I know we have the four minute free, and that's and and frees are a big part of. Uh, I mean, I guess it was, it's optional in uh, sportsman and then all the, all the way up you, or is it optional intermediate, but anyway, you know, advanced and limited, you're doing a free, but should there be a freestyle category where all you're doing is freestyle?
2: You know, I, I that, that's another great topic. I mean, you know, I don't know, you know, look, the freestyle is a sub it is, it's its own element and you have to train for it. Me personally, I'll tell you guys right up front. I have never put any thought or effort into that part of flying to you know when I started the air show route years ago, I thought I wanted to do that, and for me it was cool, but I'm thinking, you know what this is not why I do this. you know when I was flying model airplanes, watching Leo Loudenslager and his precision, you're going that's how what out that's what I want to do that's how I want to fly and So aerobatic competition became the main focus because it's so different. Classic flying and freestyle flying is so different. However, both of them require tremendous amount of time, energy, practice, focus, and it takes years. As Rob has said, he might work on a figure for a year. You know, I mean, you know, guys like that here again um, are able to, to devote such an enormous amount of time to come up with this unbelievable flying but you look at what it's taken to get to that point and it's the same thing on the classic side i mean to really be a good classical pilot takes a tremendous amount of time and dedication so to have your own freestyle category i mean i don't know that's that's a great discussion um whether it counts towards the whole score or it's just you know hey you're going to be a freestyle pilot not a classical pilot then you all you do is you practice freestyle and yeah. You know, because yeah, it that almost separates the flying into two different things. Yes, yeah. it, it does. And it's a lot of work. I mean, and I said it multiple times, you I mean, look how hard Rob works to make himself where he is with that freestyle flying. His classical flying's very good too, but the freestyle stuff is just over the top. And and, and it's 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 awesome, but he works hard. The guy works hard.
3: Yeah, he puts the
1: time in, that's for sure.
2: Yes, yes, he does. <laughs>
1: Do you, miss, do you miss flying the Sukhoi? I mean, because those are two different airplanes. I mean, yeah, and- Yeah,
2: you know, yep, I do. And let me the, tell you- I love the Sukhoi. Right. That airplane made me a better pilot moving into the 330SC. Um, it just did. And I would have stayed in the Sukhoi if they would have kept building it. I was finally learning to fly it, finally. And getting my hands around it. And it was a very hard airplane to fly well. It's a very, very hard airplane to fly well. But I had so much to learn in it. But I was coached by the best in the world, in my opinion, at the time, Sergey Boriak and so much knowledge. Um, and then Sergei Rachmanin later coached me in it. But uh, uh, but yes, I, I missed that airplane. It, it was a wonderful, wonderful airplane. And you, you have experience in a Sukhoi, Jeff, right? Uh, very little, very little, but okay. I just, okay. I, it's just
1: such a raw, it's such a raw airplane and yeah, it's just, and it's, it's kind of sad almost because, you know, just to, not to, not to whine about, you know, how difficult sequences are. Um, but with the Sukhoi in unlimited, maybe at nationals it'll work, but on the world level, it struggles, it's, it yeah. struggles a little bit and it's yeah, like, you know, yeah. that to me is crazy.
2: You know, it used to be you showed up at a world championship, and all you saw were Sukhoys and caps, a couple of edges, yeah. You know, in there, and you know now all you see is three thirties. You know, of course, Castor Fantoba, another of many people. I wish there's hope we can m- mention everybody in this podcast, but another just amazing person, amazing pilot. I've spent a lot of time with Castor. I lived with him in Spain uh, for several weeks leading into the world championships in England, and uh, he mates a Sukhoi just, it's beautiful to watch his classical flying and his freestyle flying and another man that has worked extremely hard. And it's true, the Sukhoi, one thing I noticed about it, if it's 110 in Texas and that airplane with high density altitude and you get slow, the airplane would chug along and it would do all the things, <laughs> especially at low speed. But what had happened is the the presence of the flight the beauty of the flight, the energy of the flight sort of went out the window and the airplane's doing everything, but it just didn't have the oomph until the Russians decided, Hey, let's change the ailerons. Let's extend the wingtips, Let's put a bigger motor on it. And I think they came out, I think it was designated the M three. And, uh, you know, I watched, uh, Svetlana Kapania, uh, and Victor small and some other individuals, uh, fly this airplane. And, um, uh, and it, it was amazing. They flew it beautifully, but uh, it was definitely, and it was lighter and it was definitely a, uh, an improvement, um, you know, from the 31, the 26. And uh, so, yeah, all, awesome. That's airplane. awesome. And that how was do you the think transition Castor's into the. <laughs> Sorry,
0: Jeff. Go ahead. No,
1: <laughs> dude, we're on like opposite wavelengths so that usually we're not this bad. <laughs> no, you go. I, just man. Gonna I took you, over last time. Uh,
0: why 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 is Castor uh, a Sukhoi holdout? Do you think? Because he he's still he's still he's still doing it.
2: You know he's I don't know. Fight. Um, <laughs> yeah. he's fighting a good fight. Yeah, he know you know that Castor he he knows that airplane. He's been flying it forever. I remember watching Castor at it might have been his first World Championship. It was in Lakeland, Florida, in two thousand three, and I had I just moved into Limited. At the time, Phil Knight was coaching me, and he said, Goody, why don't you go fly this world championship as an independent to just get experience? You know, you have no chance, but you got to get experience. You put yourself amongst the best, see how they do it, put the pressure on yourself. And I watched Castor fly, uh, Hubies uh, was a rented uh, 26 and we had trained. Uh, Castor was training where we were training along with the Russians in Keystone, Florida. We had a whole bunch of us there. And it was a big learning curve for Castor also. And you go, wow, from where he was that day to where he is today in that airplane, um, I think that's why he stuck with it because he has such a history with it. And, And he has come so far in it and what he does now and what he's been doing for years is just incredible. I mean, it's what insane. An incredible yeah, person. nobody flies yeah. a
0: Sukhoi better than him.
2: You you got it.
0: That is so cool. So what you know, Goodie, So You said with you, that, you moved uh, away from the Sukhoi. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I just wanted to ask you because I was at that championship in Lakeland, and um, I saw um, a bunch of the flying, and I remember seeing Svetlana fly, and yeah. there was some talk around a little bit, but everybody thought that she was going to win that contest, and I was young at the time, but she was flying incredible. And I, yeah, I think Rockman won. Yep, he but did. Um, I don't know if you if you can attest to that, or or if you think it was a little bit judging bias or whatever. If she deserved to win, maybe or something. But um, or absolutely, say about you know that that,
2: that. that that stuff. You know, as y'all touched on other podcasts, it's 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 been around. It's always been around. It'll stay around. She um, flew <laughs> unbelievable. You know, Rachmanin, uh, Robert Armstrong, I, I think I'm saying correctly. He was third. I mean, he flew unbelievable. I remember sitting in this closing ceremony, s- screaming and yelling for Robert. You know, clapping because he flew so amazing. And uh, yes, yeah, Svetlana, there was there was like rift and talk and stuff going on during that contest because you know I, I think people are going, oh my gosh, you know, she's going to do it. And what if something happened? I, I don't know, but you know, it, it, it'll make you wonder cause she was lights out flying. Unbelievable. What a talented, yeah. again, another pilot. Golly, there's so many out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And Mammoth, everybody like, I feel like everybody glazes over mammoth stuff because the guy's yeah, one, yeah. how, however many Europeans, however many worlds. <laughs> and like, it's yeah. like, the, he's definitely a goat. He's, he's the greatest of all time. It seems. And, uh, just for the amount of, but nobody really talks about him. I mean, he it seems like I'd never met him, but. No, I did meet him actually in Romania, but he's just a short guy and like very humble and like what is he, ninety three years old at this point? And just yeah, he's up there with Yoda.
2: He and, he and Yoda are walking around together <laughs> kicking everybody's ass. Yeah, like what the hell? And they and barely fly to an extra. like Yeah. Yeah, and they barely fly, right? They barely Relative fly to- you know, not Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. He's so good. He's <laughs> just uh you know, Mama stops flying is just he never messes up it's clean it's what they need to see and it's not ex- exciting and you know like oh wow this is fun to watch kind of thing it's just it's just there and it's good and it meets the criteria and he never messes up and it and it's clean and yeah the That's guy's uh <laughs> um, unbelievable yeah yeah
1: what was your uh what was your favorite worlds that that you could say you went to outside the U S obviously what, what oh, do you have a favorite most memorable one?
2: one? Um, I'm trying to think on probably, uh, you know, probably France, um, 2015 was m- my favorite one. Um, it was just a really, we had high hopes, uh, you know, like every team does going into something because the, the, the people we had, we had some wonderful people um, with us at the time and everybody was a team player, um, worked hard. It wasn't, there was no, the ego thing was completely gone in my opinion at that 2015 world championship. And everybody was working together very hard, whether it's assembling airplanes, um, moving, uh, Logistically, getting stuff from from Albert, France, to where we were training, down to Châteauroux, to another training camp. Um, Just it it was a it was a very good group of people that I thought worked well together, Um, and that in itself made it memorable. Uh, The flying, you know, there was some unbelievable flying, Um, and then there was some stuff that we all learned from. um, You know, some of our pilots took some big hits and some low calls, and it was. Basically, they got caught up in where the judges had moved to, the side the judges were on. They were sitting down in a ravine. There was a berm that was higher than where the judges were sitting. So it gave an impression that the pilots were lower than they actually were. And they that got- me crazy. A couple of got, yeah. A couple of them got caught up in that. It was terrible to see. You know, that breaks a lot of the momentum. Um, but yeah, as far as probably one of my favorites, um, I'd have to say- france just because of the the group of people that we were with and and everybody you know sort of checked their egos um at the door and it was like let's just get this done together and hey if somebody gets if rises to the top great you know but we need a group of us to rise to the top to bring home the gold you know and um so
1: wasn't there what was it silverstone um where they had that missile detection system going to some like multi million yeah, so, dollar
2: like altitude thing. <laughs> so let me tell you so you, you'll get a kick out of this. I know you guys will. There, is, I'll, I'll there, seg- was, zero,
1: I'll, there was zero
2: lows that contest. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, well, Let me tell you, hey, people actually got high calls. And so let, let me back up. This is crazy. So we're show up at Silverstone. The box is over top of a racetrack. So if you can imagine looking down into this, into the, the bottom of the box, and it's curvy, squiggly roads everywhere because it's like a, a, um, a open wheel track, you know. And the stuff were orange and they were like a teepee, if I can say that nowadays. But it's that they were like, um, and they were painted orange and they were canned So when you you look down at them, they look like they were flat, and it was a little strange looking. Well, anyway, this this box is is set up, you know, over this racetrack. And so then all of a sudden at the briefing, they're like, oh, yeah, guys, by the way, um, the British military has allowed us to use this radar tracking system. So that is going to determine your highs, lows, and your outs. And everybody's like, Oh, and the outs, too? And the outs. This thing was so accurate. Oh, I just thought it did altitude. Oh, man, it was all over. It would show you. It would show you a little green dot. And then as you got close to the edge, it would turn yellow. And then it would go red, and then there you go. Well, the thing was so accurate. I'll back up a little bit as as we ap- approached Silverstone, we're getting there. You get your time to fly in the box. These two young British kids come up. I'm flying Hubie's Super Twenty Six, and um, and they're like, you know, who's this, you know, young kid in this, you know, crazy looking fire breathing Sukhoi? You're like, ha ha ha! So I go <laughs> up and fly. And, And I'm practicing and having a good flight and I land and they're like, Hey, hey, can we we help you with your airplane stuff? So I started sort of getting to know these, these guys and I'd seen them each day, young kids. Well, as the contest progressed, um, the known had a fantastic known, um, uh, one point I was sitting number one, uh, ended up getting knocked down, I think to nine or 10, but a very small spread. You're talking like 35 to 40 points from number one. I mean, great. And, and yeah. And so you get into, uh, The freestyle, well, here we go, the radar tracking system. Um, I flew, the end of the day, freestyle, the sky was perfect, no wind, it's my time to shine, so you would think. Yeah, well, I get in the airplane, start flying, I don't know if nerves, something got me. I was on a, I pushed, capped off, 45 down, got too steep, double snap, double roll, radar got me. All of a sudden, Holy. I'm behind now. Bang, 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 bang. And it's going nuts. A thousand penalty <laughs> points. Holy. Holy. Oh, my God. So, listen, so I land and, you know, I'm humiliated. I'm just like, I just screwed my whole team. Like, what's wrong with me? And, uh, of course, you know, these young British kids come up to me and they're like, look, it's Radar. Hey, Radar, come here, man. Hey. And they started <laughs> calling me Radar. Rest of the contest, <laughs> that became my nickname. Uh-huh. And so everybody oh called, my out, They're God like, hey, what's up, Radar? And I'm like, oh, yeah, you suckers. But that thing was, the, some of the French pilots, they said, gully come here. Let me show you the diagram. Look how low you are, but you were consistently low. You were 88 centimeters low each time at the same spot. And oh, I'm my like, God. Is that accurate? And yes, I wasn't grossly low, but it got down to centimeters. It was so accurate. It was catching my wow. tire every time I'd kiss <sighs> the bottom.
3: Eighty-eight
1: Thou,
2: thousand, <laughs> thousand penalty points out. I mean uh, lows. Yep, yep. Oh my god! I would have taken a
1: baseball bat to that missile system.
2: <laughs> so yes, there was a missile. <laughs> there, the, <laughs> the British. It was awesome. Then when some of so I basically I was done. But some of my don't they remember what we did
1: for them during World War Two? Like, what the <laughs> hell?
2: <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh gosh, my gosh! Short-term but memories. Yes, they, <laughs> yeah short term memory but it it caught some of our guys out high too uh and it was like what I mean it was guys were getting four and five hundred penalty points and out high it was crazy they never they probably never saw one in their life no, never nobody who gets a who gets a high call nobody does
1: no, <laughs> but you see like i and i feel like you you would agree with this like i can I can swallow that pill. Like that to me is like acceptable. Okay, I was low. Okay. it's it's legit. I can take it. But somebody's like somebody's contests and even nationals, man. They get some of these wahoos that have never been to a contest before, or it's their first contest. You yep. know, and they they need volunteers, and they stick some 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 millennial out on the boundary, <laughs> and it's like and it's this like this crocheted yarn system that my my nana probably brought up. And they're lining up these strings and like, it's just, it's, I can't accept, I just can't accept that. (laughs) I can't. It's not, it's not a like, it's not a, a, it's not legit to me. I mean, and then like, if you're calling them a boundary judge, like they're, they're not, what's there's, they're a judge and there's a line judge, but they're still being called judges. And this guy, you know, I I mean, like at Mm -hmm. least give this guy a 15 minute YouTube video to watch on how to use this shit. You know, but there's just no rhyme or reason. They're just like, oh, you, you got a pulse. Let's stick you out on the line.
2: <laughs> it's a, you know what? I, I personally think it's a waste of time. It, I can't tell you how many contests I've been at. Why are we not starting? We, we can't get the boundaries out. Well, okay. We, yeah. Now we can't get the radios working. Uh, um, now, you know, the sighting device, the wind's blown it down. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And I think they should go away. Me personally. I think it could you could use the volunteers elsewhere, but I think we've all been a victim of it. I remember, oh, I forgot which Nationals it was. It's been so many, but uh, uh, I remember in hearing in the video, um, I went up, came across the box. I'd done a loop, eight-point roll, came up, three-quarter flick, hammered. It was, I'm in, hammered, out, roll, in. That was the Nationals. Lost that one uh my what do i got what like six second places gotta love that so that one was like uh uh 26 points from that would have taken me over the edge and so yeah that oh, that crazy the nationals yeah it was uh and who knows how the guy sitting down there on the side device where literally my wing tip is supposedly out but not the whole airplane is strange because you got the 150 foot buffer zone but whatever yeah. so it, uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I know I'm whining, but yeah, I mean that, um, that, to, yeah.
1: that to me, oh dude, I would, I would have, I would have went on, I would have been in jail at this point. I would have murdered
3: people. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> but like, so like, there's so many points to get rid of boundaries and, you know, obviously we don't have enough volunteers, it seems. So there's one point, but yep. the other point is, is bias. So like, there's going to be bias. It's just going to be bias. It, it is what it is and you're going to get it. But if we can yeah. relieve a little bit of it. So if you get rid of boundaries and the biasness, if that's even a word, towards boundaries, then you can, you know, statistically bring your your ratios down on biasness and leave it up to less people, right? And right. like it's just just get rid of it and or come up with a system that is um that's got structure to it, that has like rules to it or that you're not just picking random people. Like at this point, like when you go to nationals, you got to sign up to be a national a judge at nationals, from what I understand, right? Yeah. So why don't they? Why are they not selecting boundary judges at that point?
2: I don't know. That's a great question, Jeff. I don't know enough uh, the ins and outs on on that side of things. I, I personally think you know, and you guys know this. You know, you sit and, and watch I move a the flight. strike. <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> move the strike. You watch a flight that's flown beautifully, balanced. Then you're, you're going to score it. Accordingly, And you should have a, a higher presentation score where you're going to award a pilot that flies it like the judge is watching a play and he barely has to move his head. And, you know, you're going to get a higher presentation score. And just the whole out thing is I just think it's, uh, it's sort of and not not because of things I've been through. That's my own fault. But, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things that it could save a lot of time, money. Uh, you know, materials, the list goes on and on and on.
0: Well, let's yeah, be real. Dude, it's it's like, arbitrary. It's arbitrary. It is. The way it's, yeah. the dude, way been- an out, it, it's, it's so dumb. It, it, okay. You're, you're one plane length out of an imaginary line to the, to the judge's line. Does that, does that score any differently? You no. know, would they see that? No, but there's, it's another point of, um of bias and failure you know, and it's and it's completely arbitrary. It is, it's, it has no relevance to one's flying because if you're, yeah, if you're now, if you're fifteen plane lengths away, that will affect the way the judges score you. Yeah, your presentation will be docked, right? I mean, yes, um, I th- dude, I, I I've think been on I the line ridiculous. with like, like and it, is, yeah. Don't get me wrong; it,
1: it has its perks. They give you like a nice lawn chair. They give you a cooler full of drinks and snacks. So I'd be on the line. And I do my best to, to, to be a boundary judge with however they tell me, but I'd have like a Gatorade in my hand. I'd be snacking on Doritos, licking my finger. Like, it's just <laughs> such a joke. It's such, can you imagine like, uh, can you imagine a judge on the, um, you know, judging the figures, like munching down some like sun chips and, and some diet Pepsis while judging.
3: <laughs> like
2: it's yeah.
0: such a fucking joke. <laughs> They're is there's as <laughs> yeah. they say, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my god i got it There's the spinning, only thing i'm missing is like the only thing i'm missing is one of those paddles where, where the ball's got a rubber band attached to it and you're just hitting it back
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're out there you're out there with a yo-yo
1: <laughs> yeah dude and goody we played um a video clip from nationals of uh i'll just say it it was of me and i trust me like and like i feel like you would agree like it's in like i don't mind I don't usually get out. So like, it's not for me to complain. It doesn't really, it's not going to help me to complain. Um, I'm not trying to be a a dick, but like, I just, I I usually don't get too many outs. So, um, where was I going with that? So, um, Oh fuck. I totally lost my, cause I didn't want to sound like a dick saying like, I don't, you know, I don't mind having the boundaries. Um, I'll think of it later.
2: But, but well, maybe this will, this will open you up. You know, there was one nationals, Jeff, that, uh, um, oh, I was going to say that I a, played the video bottle. here. Yeah, you yeah.
1: played the
2: video. Yeah, yeah, go go for it. You got it back.
1: Yeah, well, we'll get back to that. But yeah, I played the video, and it was like one of those j- calls where it was like in. I mean, uh, sorry, out, in, and it's like multiple. I'm like, come on, man. And it was during like a looping figure too, and it's like, like to be out for 0.5 seconds. Like, are you fucking kidding me?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. It, it, No, it's crazy. What I was going to just touch on that there was one nationals we had a huge problem with outs. They had they screwed them all up. The one pilot they gave nine outs, and he had no outs. I mean, it was a complete cluster, and you know it got all mixed up. There's there's definitely issues with that whole program. I, I I totally agree. And, was you know, that person was flying to, a
1: Sukhoi at the time? Not you? Yeah. Or was he flying? Not,
2: not me. Yeah.
1: Did he have really <laughs> good hair and use really good gel?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just great, a great Could he guy. he bench and, a know, thousand pounds? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he's a poor guy. But, you know, you just go like, gosh, it's like, are you kidding me? And And that was it, a team it, selection and, year. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you sit there on that little piece of yarn that's blowing the wind and you move your head a little bit to the right, maybe to, you know, I don't know, get a gnat off of you. And now all of a sudden you got a different view of the airplane and it's going vertical. The sun's in your eyes. I, I don't even see an airplane. Dude, uh, oh, wait, out, if, in. Um. Yeah. If they still <laughs> yeah, have yeah.
1: boundaries, if they still have boundaries, the next time I, I go to a nationals, I'm going there and I'm bringing my <laughs> own like spool of yarn from like Michaels or whatever arts and crafts store. i be like, no, I got it, guys and it's going to be like and i'm going to leave the strings long and i'm going to knit some some mittens for people as i'm doing the boundary judges or i'm going to knit a quilt I'm going to make you a blanket while i'm on on the boundary here
2: that'd be awesome i'd i'd love it
1: mark we got to we got to we got to make a a shirt you know like the dare shirts where it's like dare to keep kids off drugs we got to do like yeah. dare to get rid of boundaries or something like that or like i love and boundaries yeah. or something
0: <laughs> Let, let's uh, yeah. Let's th- we'll think of something. We'll think of some acronym.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, cool, man. Too funny. Too funny. Um,
0: so, how, so, Goody, oh, how did you? This... I got, I got, I got a. Um, well, you okay? So we we probably skipped around. We didn't, I guess we didn't skip around too much. But S two B Sukhoi, now extra. How I, I I'm curious. What, how do you feel about the capabilities of the extra three thirty SC now and and uh, where you're at? Um As you're 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 coming back, getting ready for nationals, um, your your progression through these different aircraft, like what has that been like? I mean, I, I still feel like this, like the S two B is is not a very relevant airplane to modern upper higher level competition anymore, unfortunately. But I feel like I honestly feel like the Sukhoi kind of is could still be relevant. It's not it's not top tier. Obviously the the three thirty SC is it, it's got more championships than any other airplane, but um. You know, did you feel like that gap between the uh, the S two B and the Sukhoi was a lot larger than the gap between the Sukhoi and the
2: three thirty SC? Oh, oh, absolutely. Let me tell you, if I if I went from a S two B to a three thirty SC Cap Edge forty, it would have been a much easier transition because yeah, the airplane the Sukhoi is was so different on so many levels that it was like a linear, a very slow, uh, curve of, it takes many, many, many years, in my opinion, to fly a Sukhoi well in classical flying. Uh, it's a very hard airplane to fly well. Um, once, you know, unlimited the game of flicks. And once you got the flick technique down, um, it, made things a lot better but it was just a different animal all around having said that it was a very hard airplane to fly which made it easy coming out of the Sukhoi into the extra it felt like a little toy like like this is like this is like a little (laughs) toy like okay here I'm I'm gonna gonna sit in here I just broke the rudder pedal oh hold on Jeff here's the stick (laughs) you want to hold that for me you know it's like it just seemed like this little toy and nothing against Walter. Sorry if you're listening to this, but you know, you have an amazing airplane, but the Sukhoi was so overbuilt, so tank like, you know, the the a design group, it'd be like NASA or Boeing or McDonnell Douglas building an aerobatic airplane. This airplane was so over engineered, but they thought of everything. And what a remarkable airplane. So yes, the transition was very difficult. I suffered for years um, in the Sukhoi uh, for one. I moved up to unlimited flying a new airplane and I had no experience recipe for disaster. And, you know, it took me a long time to get to a point that I could, you know, get out there and get some scores. But, you know, having gone back to the S2B, which you mentioned, um, Mark, is that, you know, it's like anything good foundations. I built them in the S2B. But I didn't spend enough time in that airplane in the lower categories, getting a feel for not so much the flying part, but how to present it all to the judges. So the S2B, what a wonderful airplane, but it gets back to basics, man. If the basics aren't there, it doesn't matter the airplane you're in. So uh, but the transition was much easier from the Sukhoi to the um, extra. And if you notice, when I fly, I always roll right. And that comes from the Sukhoi. Um, <laughs> yeah. And another reason I always um, inside snap, right. And I always uh, outside flick left foot, right rotation. That's from the Sukhoi. Also, Just, is that vertical, because of all the
1: internal timing?
2: Um, that well, a lot of that. We the, the motor was turning the other way. So most people, you know, snap left, you know, in the extra, I always snap, right. But I was, I learned to snap so well in the Sukhoi. I can make the extra snap very, very fast. Um, and the, uh, the non direction that everybody else snaps also rolling vertically, you can see the point coming when you roll left, you're blind to stop. You can't see what's coming. So you, there's you're totally blind. So everything's always usually right rotation for me. And, uh, but I'm, I'm going the wrong direction, but, but yeah, the, the, the Sukhoi to the extra, uh, very easy transition and it uh, it extra is a very stable easy airplane to fly it it just Walter you know hit it out of the park on that thing they know oh, how to build crazy airplanes. how easy oh oh man it's so easy i mean you just feel so fortunate to be in such an amazing airplane i mean gosh
0: with these yeah. top tier airplanes like the 330SC and the MXS um what do you feel like i mean looking ahead I'm I'm always curious about this because we yeah. we see the uh, you know it's big talk right of like uh making unlimited uh too hard making these gaps between intermediate and advanced and unlimited too large things like that. What are we going to see that's going to be the aircraft limitation? Like what what if you had to guess, what would your prediction be on like what what maneuvers would come that would are going to make the 330 SC struggle a little bit or MXS or any of these the the top level airplanes right now uh where we might see some some um.
2: Uh, oh some limitations on the aircraft performance on the aircraft and not the pilot you know yeah i mean if if they really made unlimited and what the word actually means unlimited there's no top i mean think about it i mean my gosh guys i mean <clears throat> you could put in some crazy wicked figures that uh, you start getting into a little pilot limitation but you you would get into a I think some, some airplane limitation of having to fly it so hard. Let's say for example, I mean, gosh, let's say you did a, you pulled vertical and did a double outside flick to a tail slide or, you know, (laughs) you're, yeah, or you're coming around. Let's say you're doing like a, a half loop down, a push half loop down, which used to be a legal figure, push half loop down, one and a half inside snap at the bottom of the push. And (laughs) people were talking about breaking airplanes and, and, and and so some of this stuff was removed. There were some wicked figures. But, you know, I think right now I'm looking what the pilots are flying and the figures. You can't get much crazier. And maybe that's the wrong word than what we're already doing. Unless you truly allowed pilots to put in stuff that really nobody's doing because it's so ridiculous. You know, like a double outside flick into a slide or, you know, some. Some very uh, uh, speed sensitive maneuvers. Where if you're not proficient in managing all the energy on the airplane, when you go to hit a a flick at at too high of a speed, now you're putting the pilot in jeopardy, or you're putting the airplane in jeopardy of too much stress. So I mean, you know, I don't know if if there's going to be a point where um, you know the airplane is is you know the the flying's going to outdo the airplane. I mean you know, right now, a 330, in my opinion, I mean, you don't have to fly fast. I mean, you know, I try to use about 160, 170 knots through a sequence. I mean, very rarely do I go real fast, um, except for maybe some kind of crazy unknown figure, you know, it might be a you know, push, uh, two of eight, three quarter, pull around, P loop, you know, outside flick, where you need all this energy. But you know, you're really pushing these airplanes. It's not good for them. I mean, why? You know, I think there's other figures and they're so complicated. Judges can't keep up with them half the time or they haven't seen one in two years and now they're trying to judge it. But, you yeah. know, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's, 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 it's that's a whole other story. But yeah, you know, the 330, I think, can do it all just like the MXSS. I mean, you know, um, I haven't seen anything that, you know, Rob flying the MXSS that when we trained together a lot, you know, we've worked together for many years and you know, and and learned a lot from each other, uh, that, that he can't not do in that airplane because the airplane's limited. Um, no, I mean, I think anything that you could throw it, you know, these top tier pilots, they can get it done. Now, are you going to start really honking on the airplane too hard? I think that's the, the area that might be a little bit of a, uh, an interesting place to go and talk because, you know, at what point are you having to push the airplanes You know, so hard to get through a figure, you know, that's, uh, you know, I mean, you know, 50, 60 K figure or whatever it is, you know, and it's just like, I don't know. I I just, I don't know where to draw the line on that.
1: Yeah. And you moved up in category during an interesting time, too, because that was when they had the seven figure freeze with the bonus points.
2: You had six and seven (laughs) figure freeze. I had 99 K figure. Um, I mean, (laughs) it was crazy. You you, you, you that's mess a, up. That's a, one that's a tough bonus. time to
1: move up. That's a really tough time to
2: oh. move up. <laughs> the bonus point. I mean, they look, guys. They've tried stuff. They've tried all kinds of stuff over the years. Changing this. Why sport, did they do that? Know, I, they wanted. I don't know. I don't know what the origin of that. That's a great question. I don't know who proposed it. I don't know if they were looking for maybe a way to go. Hey, look. Let's use the pilot's creativity to allow their score to be brought up by making these crazy freestyles. I mean, I, I wish I, I'll, I'll try to find one and share with you guys, but they were, they great. were crazy, man. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. Gosh.
0: Yeah. So where's your, where's your focus now? I mean, obviously you're, 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 you're prepping for nationals. Yeah. yeah. Um, w- Like right now in your, in your, um, uh, your schedule of flying, getting ready for it. Are, are you, what are you working on now? Are you, are you, working on just individual figures are you working on uh freestyle stuff what are you what what are you kind of working on now
2: yeah i'm i'm focused totally on classical stuff you know i'm i've said over the years i was going to put dedicate a lot more time to uh freestyle flying and uh but i I just never have i haven't had enough drive to take me that direction i'd like to i still got a long time in the sport i plan on being and you know around and getting better and uh i'd love to you know, get better on the freestyle side. But, you know, my classical flying is where my focus is. And I've tried to come up with the, over the last few years. I mean, especially, so when I, I my left Achilles tendon was severely severed in half, it'll be two years, <clears throat> May 9th. And that took oh, that me out. Feel. <laughs> of, that That was wonderful. Love, love. Yeah. And uh nice vacation? took me out of everything. Yeah. It was, it was not good. It took me out of Ugh. work, aerobatics. <laughs> Fitness. It was a rough time in my life, but you know, and I know it could be worse. But for me personally, it was tough. And you think about it, you guys, how much you use your feet flying aerobatics, and especially flicks, and you're, there's a lot of flexion with your with your calf and your ankle. And so, I was really worried. I was very concerned. My, how I ever how long quiet? was it
1: when you rip when you snapped your Achilles or whatever you call it when it severed? How long was it from that day till when you got when you got back in a uh, sc
2: Oh my gosh. So I flew the SC just one time because <clears throat> I had to prove to myself that I could still fly it. And I got in the airplane about seven or eight months after it happened. Holy And shit. I, I got in it, I cranked it up. And well, first I sat in it. I said, okay, I'm sitting in the hangar. Okay. I can move the brakes. Okay. That's fine. I feel comfortable. I said, I'll crank it up. I'll taxi around. How's it feel taxiing it? You know, how, you know, Everything. I'm safe. I'm, I'm looking at it from a safety standpoint, mitigating risk, right? So, I go. I'll just go fly around, and that's what I did. And then I said, "Okay, I'll just do some lines, no flicks, no spins, nothing that would load my leg." And and yeah, so I just did some. Yeah, and so that's what I did. And then then I didn't touch the airplane again until uh, May of the following year. COVID hit, and then that was it, man. I mean. Um, I've barely flown, but this is funny. You're going to laugh. So my normal training schedule changed tremendously. Once I got married and my kids came along, I had two kids at world championships. I mean, (laughs) I, I was still flying world championships, getting married, starting a family, having children and trying to be the, one of the best in the world. And um, Gosh, you really, and, you really could have stepped up your your time management better. That's pretty lazy. Exactly. I can't. I mean, the timing couldn't have been worse. So, you know, you 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 as stupid time passed Yeah, stupid kids. So is it fat? Is it fast forwards? Your your time to fly. You had to be. <laughs> you had to be very. Um, you had to, everything had to be scheduled. I mean, super scheduled. Okay, I only have three months a year to fly, and so that's what it started happening to me. But it was interesting. I started doing better. And, and yes, there was maturity, uh, uh, experience, all this was coming along also. But as I started flying less, I started performing better. And so trying to fast forward to that question mark, right now, I'm, I've been trying to figure out a way, especially after I got hurt, to go, how can I more efficiently fly? You don't need to fly sequence after sequence after sequence. How can you go up? And like Jeff's mentioned on an earlier podcast, you know, getting your G tolerance back and, and doing lines and, you know, just from, to, from a uh, roll upside down, push to 45, roll upright, push. But, you know, building this stuff, building closure rate to the ground, building all this stuff back up in your head. Once you get that, then how can you get yourself competitive on a high level, but not having as Castor Pantoba taught me one day, goody, you only have so many snaps, outside flicks in your checking account. And once you deplete that, it's time to stop. Because what you're going to do, you're going to wobble yourself out. You're going to get hurt. You're physically not going to be able to keep moving forward. And so you look at all that and go, what's the best way for me to train? So I've been personally focused on you know getting my G tolerance where I want it, especially the negatives. The positives, not so bad. But the negative flicks are a big deal. And there's a lot of them that always pop up. But I'll give myself so many flicks. I might go today. I'll get three, three quarter outside flicks, maybe one full outside flick. And that's it. Do I feel good? Could I do more? Yeah, but I'm not. So I'll go up and fly figures and then I'll start taking figures and linking them together. And then I'll link more figures, more figures. And so now you're up to, say, six to eight figures. and all of a sudden you're almost to a sequence. But I might fly a sequence in the beginning and leave out all the flicks and just do rotations. Because there's no need. Can I do the flicks? Absolutely, all day long. Can I do a 8g push from a vertical down all day long? But why? Why? So yeah. what I do is I get myself to the point where I'm physically ready. Then I'll start introducing the the higher physical stuff that I know I can do. And you know what? Look, guys, you go out and do a hundred outside flicks. The day that you really need to hit it is when it counts. Not those hundreds you did. You can get them down when you're learning, but you know, I think sometimes you can overfly and yeah, you can fly way too much. And I was going to ask you that because yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big thing. Overtraining seems to be really, yes. really common.
0: It's, it's very yeah. common, well, and people, yeah,
1: people are going quantity over quality in their flights, and yep. that's that's the that's the tough thing. And then like at decathlon or a lower powered airplane where to, where the speeds aren't too high and the G's are low, you can get away with flying a little bit more. But I noticed that, you know, when I went from the 200 into the SC, um, you know, I was able to do three flights all day long in the 200. And then when I went to the SC, the speed and the power is just so much more. And the G's are so much more. Well, at least for me. And, um, you know, after two flights, I'm shot. After two, like, really intense, you know, mentally intense and physically intense flights, I'm I'm pretty exhausted.
2: Absolutely. I and mean, there's no reason. You know, I'll, I limit myself. I'll go, okay, this flight might be anywhere from eight. To 14 minutes, maybe that. I might go up and fly a sequence, and it, I feel good. The coach liked it. Yeah. Do I need to work on some things? Yeah. But you know what? No, not right now. Go rest. Go get hydrated. Get out of the sun. Save it up for the next one. And just and I tell myself, just when you're feeling really, really good, and you think I can keep flying, banging out, you know, three flights a day, got to be careful because that's when it's almost sent me over the edge. Where you're feeling really good, you're flying hard. And then it's too much. And you that checking account with your outside flicks is empty and now you're at zero and you just got to be careful. I've watched it happen to friends. It's almost happened to myself. And, you you know, you just got to be very, very careful. And, you know, I think we're all physically uh, a little different on it. I think in a, the big general scheme, we're all the same. But I think when you start really pushing it, some of us can take it a little bit further than others, uh, the physical side of it. But I attribute so much of that to just time in the seat. You got to fly. You got to have G on your body. It's like somebody running a marathon. You don't go out and run the marathon the first day you work up to it. And so it's um, scary, scary stuff. It's scary stuff. So. So, yeah. So I'm just I'm working on all the classical, getting the figures. I know how to do everything. It's just getting everything timed right and focusing on the details, walking the sequence over and over and over the cadence, the timing, the count. Where am I always? Where am I? Where am I? You know, altitude, speeds. And you get that you get that plan together on the ground in your box 50 times, 100 times and it's there. So when you go to fly, it's just happening. You're, now you can just focus on executing the figure. And so um, that's where I'm at right now. Just getting myself physically ready. I feel good. My legs fine. You know, I'm just happy to be back in a position to um, be flying to nationals. Um, I'm excited. um, And uh, I'm getting ready to start working really, really hard. I've got all my vacations set up for that. So um, I'm going to start ramping it up, but I've been doing this for, years on the not flying as much, you know, I when I was living in yeah. Rochester, we're back in South Carolina, flying, basically only practicing about three months a year. That's it.
1: How, how happy that, that are you to be, to be out of New York right now? <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 Can oh, you take me,
1: take me with you, please? <laughs> yeah,
2: y'all come on. I got a pay okay. raise on the damn taxes. God, wait.
0: What you, you know, there's more down um, there?
2: No, I said I got a pay raise coming down here because I have to pay those taxes. Oh yeah,
3: <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, oh
1: my oh. god, it's crazy. Okay, I'd be here.
0: curious. I'd, I'd be curious about your take on this because you mentioned the Wobblies, and uh, yeah. it's super relevant right now because uh, yeah. Simone Biles uh, just pulled out of uh, the Olympics. Yeah. Um, and I think she was in contention to win the gold, and was like, you know what? I'm not sticking this stuff. Right. I'm not doing it. I'm not pushing myself. And I've had a couple people say it's it's. Super interesting to see that because obviously, you know, inner ear and, and, um, motor function, you know, very relevant to aerobatic flying, um, yep. and G tolerance. Um, how, would you, is, have you guys talked about this in secret circles? Because honestly, Matt Chapman's, uh, uh, when he came on, it kind of blew my mind about him getting the wobblies and, and, and just kind of like, okay, wow. He, he got the wobblies and then continued. How many people do you think are getting the wobblies? Is it something that's still really taboo to talk about?
2: No, I don't think it's so much. I listened to that uh, podcast, um, that Matt did with you guys. That was awesome. What a another amazing person and done so much for aviation and, and absolutely. And, uh, yeah. And, and so well accomplished on the classical things. And then what he's done for, you know, schools and, uh, you know, kids and the Emmy riddle program and, uh, and the air show world. But, uh, Yeah, you know, no, we talk about it and I'm not scared to talk about it. You know, I mean, it's, you know, that kind of stuff, not trying to be corny, but, you know, it's like talk about saving lives. I mean, I I think we all, and it goes back to, we were talking earlier about nutrition and taking care of yourself and being well slept and mentally ready and all this, because, you know, what we're doing up there on every level from basic to unlimited. I mean, you know, you're pushing these airplanes, you're pushing your body and the wobblies is real it's, it's real i, I think the, yeah. if you actually were to sit down with more pilots and ask them about it i think you would hear more people especially in the higher categories when you start getting into the pushing that's where you start really seeing it um is it, it's, it's there it, it's there i mean i'll i'd raise my hand have i had the full blown no have i been close absolutely have i have i felt like really not good, yes, and you stop, you know, and I will give you an example. It's kind of on the same level. I mean, uh God, was it two thousand uh two thousand five or six when Marta Meyer um passed away, I was there along with several other people. <clears throat> I continued after everything was over, you know, what a unbelievable thing, but mentally it messed me up so bad for years. I went to nationals, tried to <clears throat> excuse me. Tried to fly the flight, just landed <clears throat> and said that was it. I was done, man. I was done for probably a good year or so. And so <clears throat> the, re- well, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because you get something like that physically, mentally, Simone Biles, you know, sort of trying to bring all this together. <clears throat> it can really, really affect you. And when you start getting the stuff that our bodies are doing and the focus and concentration, if something starts getting off kilter um, with you physically or on the mentally side, on the mental side, it can completely take you away um, from what you're doing. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, from a safety standpoint, um, from, you know, getting yourself hurt, you know, whether it's gymnastics, you know, flying it, it's it's real. and um I think all pilots um, should be very, very careful um, with the wobblies and how they feel, you know when they go fly these airplanes because it's it is real, man. And a lot of guys have suffered from. It. I have lots of friends, uh, I won't say names, but <clears throat> I've had lots of friends that have had an awful time with it. and um yeah, and it's there, yeah.
0: Well, and especially on the level that that, that you're flying, and, and th- that, you know, the, the top tier air show and, and contest guys are flying, you know, that you're, you're on the, you're, you don't know where the edges or the limit is until you hit it. And that's a scary element, uh, because it's like, okay, I don't know how close I came to the wobblies until I got the wobblies, <laughs> um, which, you know, that could be a little, a little freaky. And then, especially when you're watching people that are just phenomenal pilots, phenomenal people, um, experience an issue in an airplane that might be, uh, physiological, uh, in nature, meaning like maybe they died from, they got the wobblies and crashed or something like that. It really does make you question. Uh, I mean, I, kind of go through that whenever I I see somebody that I either know or was friends with that, that, you know, we lose in an airplane accident. (coughs) I always question that element of like, well, if it could happen to them, they were really good. If it could happen to them, it could definitely happen to me.
2: Yeah. And you know what? I always think about that stuff. There's something on a touch on that too is, is when you, I, this might not be the best example, but it's like when you're a kid and you get on the diving board and you go do your flip and you're like, okay, that's cool. I land on my feet. I'm going to do a one and a half. You flip around one and a half. You land in your hands. You go in the water. Well, you do it again and you open up. Now all of a sudden, bam, smack, you land on your back. And you're like, oh my God, my <laughs> confidence. So now every time you get on the diving board, you're going, I can't open up. I, I, this hurts. <laughs> this doesn't feel good. And I'll tell you this when you start getting close to the edge with the wobblies, or you start getting to that point where you can tell something is not right. This is what happens next. Now you're flying. And instead of focusing on your flying the whole time, I'm speaking from experience. That's why I'm sharing this. You start to think, am I about to let go? Am I about to let go? Is this flick? Is this push going to send me over the edge? Do, Do I stop? Do I not? You know, like, and it's real, and that is not good either. And that's yeah. something that I, I learned to go okay. That's why you got to get yourself a hundred percent, and you got to be feeling right, or you just don't fly. I mean, I've 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 stood down many a times, and um, um, mainly in camps, you know, where it's just like, nah, man, I'm not feeling good, and uh, and it, it's it's the truth because now you're not, you know, Jeff or Mark's not 100 percent in the airplane, goody focused on they're flying, they're worried now. Am I going to, am everything going to stay together? I don't know if Matt had that same, I'd love to talk to him if he ever felt that same way going, is it going to let loose now? Or, you know, and so you're, and you're, then you're not, you're not flying your best either. You know, you're just, no, you're, you're th- worried about this the whole time. Yeah.
1: Well, it's funny too, yeah. with that Matt Chapman situation, because like, you know, he didn't, he got the wobblies and then, you know, Ivan Drago shot him up with some steroids. And, um, <laughs> you know, so he went into the world's not really expecting anything. And he was so relaxed. It seems, I mean, rel- relatively yeah. relaxed. And he flew like the best he's ever flown. He said, he said that like after the first figure, he, he knew he, he was going to be okay for whatever it's worth. Or uh, I hope that's exactly what he said, but, um, but yeah, he was just probably like, cause it's at that point, And I've said this to Mark too, when you go to a contest and if you're not co- confident and if you can't fly to figures individually, that's in the catalog, whatever, and you shouldn't be there. So it's not a question of whether or not you can fly the figures. It's whether you can get into head into the game mentally at
2: that point. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the figures are there. And, And of course we've all seen there, there's people that, you know, jump into categories too soon and they're not flying the figures well. And, um, and it becomes dangerous. Um, and they don't even realize they're doing it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, mentally you gotta be there a hundred a hundred and twenty percent. And the the wobblies, um, if you're getting close or you're not feeling good, um, it, it it can hit you at any moment. And um, you know, you're just it's sort of always in the back of your mind. So you wanna be feeling good uh and, and not have that sensation, you know, when you go into this flights.
1: Yeah. And the other thing, you know, you I wanted to bring I don't want to interrupt you before. You know, you bring up a really good point about walkthroughs and, and walking the sequence through, and that's obviously it's free to do that. And, yeah. you know, I see a lot of, not, a, I can't say I see a lot, cause I'm not around them a lot, but it seems to be that there's a lot of primary sportsman, intermediate, advanced, whatever category, but especially in the beginning categories that people are just getting in the airplane and, and flying and flying putting fuel through the tank, fuel through the tank. And that's great. But I mean, it, you it just seems like the walkthroughs are not taken seriously or seriously enough. And yeah. Yeah. it would just, it, yeah, it would just make such a difference in people's flying. And, and, you know, I try to correlate that to, to a lot of things with them and, and try to let them know about it. And it's like, it just kind of like just goes over their head. It's, it's, it it's makes no sense to me. I mean, I don't know.
2: No, it's terribly important. I, I think it's just as simple as like flying. You know, I tell people, you go out to the airport, you open the hangar door, you push the open button, you know, or you lift your latches, have your hangar set up. You're looking at your airplane. The light switch flip, slipped on. You're starting to check the oil. You know, you're checking the gas. You're looking at the airplane. You're getting this routine built in, you know, how you get in the airplane, how you put your parachute on, how you put your gloves on. You And so that that is good and humans like that humans like routine that this trains us and there's nothing like training, you know? And so you yeah. carry that into your, your walking, your sequence. It's the same thing. And habit you know, buildings. Yeah. You yeah. have set a box up. You walk your takeoff, you walk your climb out. What altitude am I going to? Where am I going to do my uh, safety check? What are the winds? Simulate where the winds are. What altitude am I diving into? What airspeed am I looking at when I'm level? Where do I want to be? You know, and then you start the figures. Pull figure one, set, one, two, flick, one, two, three, pull. And you start going through this over and over. And like you said, it doesn't cost anything. It's free. You're not paying for gas. You're not putting G on your body. You're not damaging your body. You're not damaging the airplane. And so you do this over and over and over. And you get it right, and then you put in contingencies. What if I'm not where I want to be at this point because the wind is stronger? Then I'm going to take this figure that way, or I'm going to purposely take it out and we'll sacrifice it out because the wind is so strong. I, you know, so you do this, and it is—it's free, and it's yet yeah, does it time-consuming? But and you make it realistic. You tape down runways on the ground. I mean, you can get real anal with it, but it's like, hey, yeah. and it's—it gets and you a little get repen- repetitive. It gets yeah. a little boring. Yeah. I get it. But it's,
0: it's, yeah, but this builds that, I, that aerobatic IQ, that, that competition IQ that like, you know, if you, if you, you could, anybody can go, I mean, if you're halfway talented, you can go out and fly enough to, to be good enough uh, to a certain point, but you may not understand what you're doing. I mean, you can't say that. Like if,
1: if you take two people. And one guy walks it through one time, and the other guy walks it through twenty
0: times. I mean, and twenty is a no, low number. That person opinion. that walk, no, but that person that walks it through more is absolutely going to be better prepared. Oh, to. he's going to crush it! Absolutely, absolutely. Probably and crush what it. I
2: was going to tell you guys in this, so let's take like, we'll just use the uh, us for example. Let's say I go, um, hey Mark, um, I'm a new guy. Would you watch me walk through this sequence? And sure, and I'm walking it, and and Mark might go, Goody, where are you looking right now? And I go, uh I'm looking over the nose. Why are you looking there? And and so you're training me already where to look, which is our. That's half the battle, you know. Yeah. What yeah. speed are you at? Well, why are you at 200 knots? You don't need to be because all you're going into is a you know a half loop up or what whatever. You know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. But yeah. oh, I didn't know that. You know, well, uh, and and so there's you a, learn all this on the ground. Yes, there's a yes. Art and, to it. And, and you see, you see the person walking a lot it through. Of
3: time. Yeah, you yeah. see
1: him walking it through, and they're like. It's not to be mean, but you know they're looking at the card in the middle of you know whether it's a rotation or or something where they're clearly not going to have the opportunity to look at the card at that point and it's like you got to train every second of that walkthrough of how it's going to be in the cockpit so if you if right. you're doing something where you can't look at the card don't look at the card on the ground
2: you know right and teach them that teach them say where where's the downtime where's a good where's a good spot in the sequence to glance at the card because glancing back at the card I think is a good technique I didn't use to because all of us can, you know, you forget something, but have a, a friendly reminder the whole time. But you pick those places. Where can I breathe? It's like Sergey used to say, smoking cigar. You know, smoke your cigar, take your time, find these spots that you can breathe. You know, yeah. you know, air quotes to say, okay, next figure. You know, three quarter flick up, hammer, double roll down, and you, okay, boom, boom, you hit it. When you pivot in your hammer you could remind yourself a quick glance or you could wait to the next figure in between it depends on what it is. But yeah, that would save people and help people so much. So when they get in the airplane, they're not flying aimlessly, just, yeah, you know, all over the place. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah.
1: That's good stuff, man.
2: Um,
1: Mark, are you still there? I love it. I know you said, you had I am. A hard I'm, time. I'm
0: just, I'm taking it all in baby. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, you I had, a, it.
1: had a, Hard exit time.
0: Oh no! Uh, three thirty. 30. Okay, cool. Oh, I was getting okay. worried. I'm, uh, I'm, st- yeah, I'm still good. No, I, I definitely um, um, I love this podcast because we're bouncing um, around.
1: Um, stars of tomorrow. Yeah, we love stars of tomorrow. Mark and I are oh, huge my fans of it. If we, we can go back in it. time to witness something, it wouldn't yeah. be, <laughs> it wouldn't be getting married. It wouldn't be oh. anything else. It would be stars of tomorrow. And Mark and I would be right there like, oh, you like this too? Oh, yeah, I do.
2: <laughs> Let me tell you, um, <laughs> what, a, what a great program uh, Sean and Mike Gullion, Sean Tucker, Mike and Gullion put together. Um, what a uh, amazing opportunity when I got the phone call uh, to be a part of that, um, back up a little bit of that, a gentleman by the name of Ralph Rydell who used to work for Sean Tucker. He is the gentleman that lived with me for one month when I bought the S2B from a guy named Jason Wilson, who was another huge influence in my life. Jason was a military instructor pilot um, in the Army, was going to Germany, uh, sold me the S2B, said, Goody, the only way I'll sell you the S2B is if Ralph Rydell, who worked for Sean, comes and lives with you and teaches you so you don't get yourself killed. And we did the deal, and Ralph came with me, taught me so much about the S2B, got me safe, and I went on my way. But those two guys, um, I owe huge to. But where I want to take that was that leads with the Sean and Mike and the Stars of Tomorrow, because you know Ralph worked with Sean and an amazing individual, and those uh, Mike and Sean, you know, gave me this opportunity and. I was with some wonderful people. One of my favorite podcasts I listened to was with Eric Tucker, uh, when he was on. But, you know, we had some great people, you know, Nick Nilmeyer, um, Weitz Coleman, Zach Hefley, Shandy Clanton, um, myself, and, uh, 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 sorry, I'm having a brain on freezing the last one. That's a movie producer now, uh, blind headed guy. But, uh, oh, uh, he, um, Oh man. Uh, Ellison, ah, she's on sorry. the tip of my tongue. Yeah. yeah, El- yeah. Larry um, Ellison, kid. yes, yes. And, um, so sorry about that guys, but, uh, yeah. So, um, what a great experience learned a lot. Um, you know, being around Sean and Mike that much energy all the time was, you know, amazing. It was contagious. Uh, very fortunate to be a part of that. Um, met some awesome people through the process and, uh, you know, make some good friends and, and just fortunate to to get to experience something. I got to fly Oshkosh, uh, 2003. Uh, one memorable moment about that was Jimmy Franklin came up to me. I was in the Sukhoi and he said, good. you having trouble getting it started? And I'm like, yeah, my shower of sparks has failed. And he's like, I'll hand prop it. I'm like, What? You'll hand process for me? Like, who am I? I mean, you're, you're Jimmy Franklin. I'm I'm this little punk kid, you know? And it's like, I'm getting to do this. And he's like, yeah, okay. Is it cold? You got the brakes set? You got it? Probably, like, yeah. All right, make it hot. Bye, I mean, bye, fires up. And in then in, the, in, the, in my ear, they're going, goody. If you're not out here in two minutes, your slot's canceled. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, after all this, I might even get to fly. But Jimmy Franklin saved the day hand popped my Sukhoi and I got to fly it. But yeah, what a great experience, man. Unbelievable.
1: Oh man. He put on, That's it's crazy. Such, he, I remember seeing him as a kid in 99 at Oshkosh. And I still remember, it's just, he's just an incredible performer. And he was a performer oh. too. Like he had a, you know, he wasn't just yeah. a flying, he, you know, he was, he was on the ground and, and doing the acting and his son's doing the same thing too, with the flying farmer thing. And I know he does the, uh, the other, you know, walkover routine, but you know, they really represent almost like a lost, I don't want to say a lost art, uh, but like, you know, there's no like um, performance. Yeah, there's the air, there's the air performance. I get it. But like, they, they kind of like, they were on point the whole time as, as an act, even on the ground. And nobody really else does that.
2: Yeah. It, uh, they were amazing to watch. I, I got to, I was very fortunate to do some other small air shows and be around those guys and just, you know, you're always asking questions and just, you know, just trying to soak up everything from these people because they know so much and they've been in the business and the knowledge. And it's just like, you know, all these experiences just build upon everything to take you where you are today. And it's just, it's unbelievable.
3: Yeah.
1: And uh, I think Mark touched upon it, too. He was a fan of, of um, you yeah, know, Terrible, He Passed Away, but uh, Nick Nilmeyer. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes, and um, he was incredible.
2: he was incredibly talented. Yes. Nick Nick was. Incredible. He, incredible guy to be around, full of life, energy. Uh what a wonderful family. Uh, uh met his parents. Uh, you know, Nick was fun to be around, he was always laughing. Uh, you know, made you smile. Uh watching him fly was just beautiful. We got to Nick put on a little air show for us. Um he was picked at the Hartsville factory, we were training up there uh, one day and it was a beautiful evening and he was doing all these snaps coming down and just, you know, the airplane, you know, winding up the wow, 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 wow. And just, you know, just great guy. And that, what a terrible, tragic thing. He and Shandy also, you know, same, same thing, you know, what a wonderful person. And uh, so tragic also, but uh, yeah. um, You know,
1: How long did you tour with them? How long was this? uh,
2: It was a few months. Yeah. It was a few months. And um and you were on the road the whole uh, time, yeah we had multiple training camps uh did a few air shows, and then that's uh, so home cool. yeah it was it was a opportunity of a lifetime um you know i I was uh you know like I said Mikey G and Sean Tucker you know owe them forever and uh given me that opportunity Don Goulian, yeah big, guy, big guy. Tanker.
3: <laughs> <What> <laughs>
1: a guy. G.
2: Uh, I, I love God. the his airplane. You got that's, I that's mean, a great if,
1: idea. If you and Don G, because you guys <laughs> both have SCs, if you guys vinyl wrapped your plane to have identical <laughs> colors and did a formation, I would, t- I would tour. I would be a roadie. <laughs> I would be your roadie.
0: Oh yeah, roadie Mark, for would, sure.
1: Mark would man the Hawaiian shaved ice machine, and I would just <laughs> yes. offer massages all day long. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, shaved ice and massages. I love it. Dude, it's the
0: best. Oh my god!
1: How sick, Mark? How sick would that be to have Goody and Mike do a formation routine?
0: (sighs) It'd be ridiculous. It'd be ridiculous. Like heavy breathing right now. Oh my god! It'd be (laughs) incredible. (laughs) Mike, Uh,
1: (laughs) geez, he's awesome, man. That's the that's one thing. I mean, what do you think of this idea? Hey, (laughs) um, I was I was talking because. Julian and, and Chapman, I, I don't think they'll ever fly classic aerobatics again, at least unless there's like a a, a fun, fun, a category. But yeah. how cool would that be at this nationals if like Don G and Chapman and Wax that like duked it out over to four minute free?
2: You know, I think I heard you guys talking about that, you know, and I know all those, you know, Mike and Matt and Patty and all these, you know, big name people They're They're I know they're so busy, but it would be really cool. Couple things. It'd be really cool to get them involved if you, they had the time to come back because you could turn this into a bigger event. And, you know, and I might be talking way out of line with all the, the legal, legal side of things, but just, just saying for fun. And if you can do this, but you get them involved, you really promote it um, and you make it more than just a contest. And it's, it has a lot to do with them. And I've heard y'all talking about maybe some prize money and, I, I think it would be awesome, and then if you could even get the model airplane guys involved, you know. Oh, that's you know, a good idea! What an amazing event it could be, but to have them come back and hang out with, you know, everybody, I think people would just be enamored, you know, and because um, they, all of them are legends, and they they are so accomplished, you know, Kirby Chambliss, another guy that, you know, just you know, five-time national champion, you know, Kirby, he could have kept, kept winning, but he's like, why? I mean, how many of these do I need? Do I need, do I need to be 50-time national champion? Like, well, I, I've got five. I mean, what if I get seven or eight or, okay, well, uh, so he moved yeah. on. And of course, you know, Red Bull and stuff. And, um, but, uh, you know, yeah. to get a lot of these people back, it's like, that would be awesome. I think that would I be feel so like, cool.
1: I feel like every contest, including nationals, should take on the same structure that Sebring did, because that contest, I haven't even been. I've never been to Sebring, but oh. it just from looking from the outside in, I it's just so far away for me. At you know, yeah, and uh, but it oh my god, amazing. it looks dude, incredible. They just it's- the it's it's incredible. Oh wait, you got the didn't you get a bozo?
2: Oh, let me tell you. So that contest, <laughs> I'll, I'll segue. I'll segue <laughs> off this. When I my first con, one of my first contests was, it was, it was 1998, because I started the sport in '97. Was in Sebring. Unlimited had like 11 or 15 people in it. I mean, it was huge. I mean, they said, they said, Goody, if you do well at Sebring, not not me, but like just saying in general, if if you're a pilot, you do well at Sebring you will do well at nationals because yep. the number of people that show up. Now, look, times have changed. The airport's changed. A lot has. But um, they put on an awesome contest. You would have a massive turnout.
1: They had like a live band on the ramp, we constant would, have, barbecue. Oh, we have, and,
2: let me tell you, Mike Mays, another person I hadn't mentioned yet, another person that I wouldn't be here today without Mike Mays. And so many of these people that are in South Florida, but um, they would put on barbecue and have bands. We'd have bands at the banquet, Jimmy Buffett bands. The the banquets were so fun. You know, another guy, Alan Bush, a legend, also team guy. Um, can you imagine if the Nationals were
1: running like that? If the Nationals were running oh, like that? Oh my God.
2: It'd be so much it'd fun. It'd be unbelievable. And yes, I'll touch on my bozo because I can make fun <laughs> of myself too. <laughs> You know, we were there. This is when Red Bull was coming along and I had actually been invited out to the first Red Bull Air Race rookie camp at Kirby's. And so it was me and Mike Gullion, Hannes Arch, um, and Kirby was coaching us and a lot of Red Bull people were there. But that led me into where the Bozo thing happens in uh, um, Sebring. So I had come back from that. been at this camp, got invited. I was you know, maybe gonna be a future Red Bull pilot. Yeah, and, you had that big, thick um, energy. You were like, fuck yeah. It. So, yeah. So, I come back. So, uh Hubie's like, Goody, why don't we put um, uh, team, uh, team Tractor? We came up with this Team Tractor because we're flying Sukhois. We call a Sukhoi a tractor because they just like a tractor. And and he's like, Let's put Team Tractor stickers all over the airplane, and that's what we're gonna be. Well, then it went into we're at Sebring, we're having a good time. And it's like, well, Goody, you've been doing the Red Bull Air Race stuff. What's it all about? So I go out in my airplane and I just pretend I'm flying pylons, you know, at at altitude. They're like, wow, that's cool. So later that night, we're like, why don't we do this in a rental car? So (laughs) we're on the ramp, Red Bull Air Racing in rental cars, (laughs) pulling the emergency brake, "Ah!" you know, having a big time. But this is how Sebring kind of was. And you know what? And we weren't being so serious. We were having some fun. And and so, yeah, we ended up getting the Bozo for that. The police came out. They're like, what are y'all doing? A bunch of crazos. And everything was good. But, you know, so, yeah, got a big Bozo for that one. And and uh oh, dude. You know, did the Red Bull Air Race and the uh, and the rental cars.
1: Mark, who were we talking about? Oh, no, it wasn't on the podcast. I was talking to a certain somebody about the Bozo. And um he was saying it's funny because there's a couple people that want the Bozo so bad, but will never get oh, it. Never get it.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they won't let them get it.
1: Yeah, they won't let them get it, like, no matter how stupid they are. <laughs> and they want it so Oh, much. my God, that's funny. Dude, that makes it even like, better. Yeah, it's an elite club. Like, I don't want to, like, ruin my chances and say I want it, but, like, who doesn't want the bozo? <laughs> yeah,
2: it's uh it was, I wasn't trying, but it, I happened to get in it. But yeah, Sebring, and, you know, I don't know if it'll ever, guys, be like that. You know, I mean, just, I mean, God, look at our society, but, you know, whatever. Dude, just, it sucks. Change change. Dude, it's changed Nationals? a lot. It's changed so much
1: nationals that when it was at Oshkosh uh I'm you were there and um yeah it was just so like oh over- I mean like don't get me wrong like again volunteer you pay a little fee you get all this stuff and and I'm very appreciative but it's laughable the thing that happened to me was that I was staying at a hotel that was right off the airport um wherever and you know I didn't want to rent the golf cart because it was like two grand it was something ridiculous to rent these golf carts and like Oshkosh, the airport's big. And, you know, for us, it was like a lot of walking and, you know, you touched upon it earlier yeah. with like, you don't want to dehydrate yourself and you don't want to like, you know, you don't want to tire yourself out before you fly. So I went to a, uh, a plate against sports and I bought a used bike for like 50 bucks. I'm like, this is the best idea. I'm just going to ride back and forth. It was my, it was like nothing. It was brilliant. So I get my bike, park it at the, uh, <laughs> park it at the hotel, I wake up the next morning, I'm all pumped, go up to the gate and the girls sitting on some like Vespa and um, she's like, oh, you can't bring it on the airport. I'm like, well, why not? Everybody's got a golf cart and cars and, and I got a bike. Like what's the big deal?" She goes "Oh, You can't have any. Um, there's no bikes allowed on this airport right now. So, <laughs> so every day I would leave. I don't know if you saw the bike that was outside the gate every morning. That was my bike. <laughs> Oh, my God. and then they didn't let us like barbecue, and we're like, you're aware that air venture come is here once a year. This is before COVID. Air ventures here once a year, and people are basically making bonfires, like, and we can't grill for like, thirty minutes.
2: It was, <laughs> so, yeah, it so was young. a challenging time. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was bullshit. You could say it. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like another great idea from Mark and I um, chapter 23 should sponsor and not call it a bozo, but similar to the bozo for nationals. Um, Cause that would be fun. And um, maybe Mark and I will, bro- we'll broadcast live there.
2: That'd be fun. I mean, I wish y'all would. Uh, you guys are awesome to listen to. I mean, I, I am in tears going back and forth to work, listening to y'all. <laughs> Cause it's, uh, I mean, your guests are amazing, but y'all are funny. <laughs> and it's just, that you can bring uh, that to a contest, it's just awesome. <laughs> y'all are very good at what y'all do. Uh, that'd be funny,
1: yeah. We maybe we'll do that.
2: that. That'd be fun, shit, man.
1: Um, let me see here. You touched upon, I got we actually made sh- show notes for this. I think we covered everything. Oh, well, I did want to ask you because we talked about it yeah. before we uh started recording. Um, we have a certain listener that, that rhymes with Smorhey, and... Um, I'm curious what your price you would put if you had to quote an airplane. Um, I don't know if you follow barnstormers
0: or rates, but anyway. So,
1: Mark, you want to give the details of this extra 300L?
0: <laughs> it comes. It has two siding devices.
2: That so, right there, that that would. I mean, that right there would sell it for me. Two siding devices. Yeah, two. Yeah, yeah. Did I still Canopy have the? Cover? Uh,
1: do they have the strings attached to the sighting devices still? Oh,
2: oh. <laughs> it, did, it did not
1: specify. It did which not can, specify. Which can also double as boundary judging strings. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs>
0: anyway, so it's a,
1: it's a 2003 300L. It's got 40 hours on it, man.
0: It was like 800 total time on the airframe and then like 130 or 150 on the engine.
1: Mark's being very modest right now. I feel like he might have got another email from from Hey. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> Are you scared? Are you okay?
0: I'm surprised. I'm surprised we didn't get an email uh, <laughs> after the last podcast.
1: So anyway, um, it's a 2003, 300 L, 800 hours, 600 on a motor. So kind of red flags right no, no, there. No,
0: uh, one, 150 on the motor. Oh, uh, 150 a- on the motor. 800 on the airframe.
1: 800 on the airframe. Um, And it was not a factory remanufacture. It was um uh, a, I guess a local shop um, yeah. 2003 good paint it seems two sighting devices is the canopy covered does it have the end number stitched onto it
2: I don't remember okay well
1: that's yeah, something that we got to request we need to email does, the it come
2: with lo- does it come with gloves that's another I good question I don't any. think so
1: <laughs> I didn't see any um, it definitely doesn't come with the parachute because that would be that would make the price seem legit um,
0: Actually, it did. It did come with two parachutes. Oh. Did it really? It did.
1: Does it have a soft or a hard tail wheel?
0: <laughs> That's a good question.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Does it
1: have the baggage tray? <laughs> and all all kidding aside, Man. the freaking baggage tray that they charge at. So, sorry, Doug and Kramer, but I <laughs> did your mind for what they charge for that thing. <laughs> It's like five hundred dollars and it's a piece of
0: <laughs> It's it's literally a tap plastics. <laughs>
1: yeah. I paid for it. I'm an idiot. The worst th- the worst <laughs> yeah. is the uh the I f-
0: I didn't do the floor though.
1: They wanted like six grand to put the Lexan floor in.
2: What? Are you serious?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's an option for like six thousand dollars. <laughs> Jesus. Oh Walter's God. probably like, Fuck it, if they're willing to pay for it, I'll
3: sure, Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: God, he is oh. just Walter's the man. Did you fly the NG yeah. yet,
2: Giddy? No, no, I have not. No.
1: Did you fly you ever fly an MX?
2: Uh yes. I flew uh the green one that you see in the magazines, the, the checker tail that Mike Gullian flew in the early Red Bull air races where he, you know, did uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it flipped him upside down and he, nice recovery. Uh Celebretti has it now. I flew that airplane some, yeah.
1: I'm surprised you didn't go to the MX route because it, uh, it, it's a little bit Seating position wise, more similar to the Sukhoi.
2: Yeah. You know, I think I was, I tried to, if my memory is correct, I was trying to stay with an airplane that was proven at the time, you know, that was built like a factory airplane, like a Sukhoi, like a cap, like a edge, like a extra, you know, and not something that it was still new to the market. Uh, How do you support it? You know, that kind of thing. So. Yeah.
1: And especially the dealer, you know, Aerosport and those guys are awesome.
2: Oh, you love those guys.
1: Hell yeah. We got to get Doug on. I think we'll get Doug on next time. And I don't know. I'll probably end up buying another extra. He's so fucking yes. good. He's yeah, such a good salesman. <laughs>
0: He's I was a just good gonna salesman. Say, what a careful. great guy. Yeah. Your credit love card will just, that. it just like comes out of your wallet <laughs> around him. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: I should just put Southeast era on fraud alert that if anything ever happens, they'll just not <laughs> accept it. <laughs> Well, shit man I'm fucking I'm done I think I uh I can go to sleep tonight peacefully I'm, yeah. happy. I'm happy we gotta get you back on because we, awesome. got, we got more to talk about
2: yeah no I'd love to maybe after nationals or whenever I'd love to come back on yeah. I mean there's so much to talk about and maybe this will stir some things up your listeners you know my you know uh, more questions or some for other guests or anything, you know, just, uh, it's fun to just chat about. There's so, there's so much wonderful stuff to to throw around.
0: There is. Yeah, totally. yeah, this is, it's so much fun. I mean, it really is just so much fun to talk about it.
1: And you, yeah, uh, it just, fun. just in closing, you know, you, um, I think at nationals or whatever you were, uh, were you using like lift gear? Weren't you using lift shoes or
2: whatever? Um, lift. Yeah. So uh, Jeff bourbon, um, you know, a big lifts, uh, uh, supporter, um, yeah. has passed on, you know, lift shoes to me and, and I use a combination of shoes and, and lift is definitely, um, in my shoe wardrobe and, uh, what a, what a great product. And you guys, um, also, uh, with the, with the lift helmets and gloves, I haven't seen any, I haven't tried any of the gloves or anything, uh, personally yet, but, uh, yeah, what a, what a good job that company's doing.
1: I'll actually send you um, a pair. I got an extra pair. Um, I think okay. you might really yeah. like them because what's nice about them is that they don't have not, it's kind of like nitpicky stuff, but it makes a difference. Um, they don't have the Velcro strap. It's just a slip on glove, but it's tight and it breathes oh. really well. Yeah. It's really cool. I'll oh. send you, send you what I got. Um, yeah.
2: I'd love to try something. Yeah.
1: But yeah. And are you still wearing a helmet or no?
2: Yeah. I use an MSA. Um, I had a you know guy do a paint job on it for me. and
1: That's sick.
2: I love it. It's a, I like it with a retractable <laughs> visor, uh, put some Those washers. Yeah. And the visor doesn't move. It's solid. It fits me nicely. Um, I use the passive, uh, noise canceling, not the active. So, uh, that's all I need. And it's a uh, slim line enough for me and it's a tight fit in the SC as it is. So it's super I've tight. learned how to <laughs> get my seating position set up and where I sit and everything. And, and the helmet's wonderful, plenty of clearance, but I love the MSA galet uh, for me personally. Hell yeah. Nice. Awesome. Awesome, right. awesome, awesome.
0: Well, let's stick a fork in this thing, guys. Um, Goody, thank you so much for coming on. We that we're, is we're obviously both huge fans. Um, thank you. Anything you want to
2: plug before we, uh, we sign off? Uh, no, I just what, – what you guys do, keep doing it. Um, everybody out there um, in IAC and aviation – um, you know, keep doing what y'all are doing and uh, you know, let's uh let's keep this organization moving forward. I'm breathing. Keep Hell it going.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And on that note, um speaking of Lyft before we sign off, um, I did get a text from Braden at Lyft about uh some air venture specials. They're they're running helmet specials, they're running uh specials on a bunch of stuff. If you're not at the show and can't go visit the booth in person, uh if you head to the website and use uh the code Osh twenty one at checkout. Um I, I I know they're doing an, uh, an AirVenture helmet special. I don't know if that code will get you that, but shoot, um, you know, you can shoot myself a message and I can link you guys up or uh, shoot Brayden Lentz or Todd Lentz a message on uh, Facebook and uh, they'll they'll take care of you and, get, and I'm sure they'll honor the uh, AirVenture special uh, if you're not there. Um, also, you can use the code uh, shit 25% off uh, 25. everything but helmets. Yeah, yeah. So appreciate them. Uh, have, we didn't even... I mean, not that it was super relevant, but we didn't even say, we didn't say a word about Oshkosh, but it's going on right now. So I guess have fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Screw that place. Um, (laughs) But yeah, uh, Goody, we'd love to have you back on after nationals. You know, maybe we could do a post nationals recap and, and talk about all that.
2: Oh yeah. It'd be fun. Absolutely.
0: Super fun. Cool guys. Well, thanks for coming on Goody. And uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you guys
2: thank you for listening to another episode of fly cool shit be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com subscribe rate and review the show on itunes and spotify any questions comments or feedback shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com